Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Greetings and welcome once again to another episode of the Retro Reductibus Cephala Podcast, the only show that celebrates all the things that make growing up awesome. We are part of the Dorkening and Inebriart Podcast Networks, and as always, we are brought to you tonight by Deadly Grounds Coffee, coffee to die for. I am your host, my name is Parasite Steve, aka Steve of Destruction, though nobody calls me that, and with me as always are my hilariously so, just, they're so... I want to. I don't even want to say they're so bad. They're good. They're just all good. They're all. They're so good. They're great. Cohorts. Eight bit alchemy. You know, I, I'm in the mood to set sail for the musical comedy adventure of the summer. How about you? Same girl. Same girl. Same girl. Same. Does that involve okay, cool. traveling pants at all? Ah, uh, girl, you know it. <laughs> And our brandy new for season six host, we love him, you love him, Coopster Gold, Justin Cooper. How's it going, my friend? What, what? Oh, okay. <laughs> it's going good. Are you ready to blast off for the musical adventure of the summer? Yo, oh my still. God, you feel the oh. same feeling. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I st- yes. As a matter of fact, I still am. It's it's so wild that you would ask that at, at this moment. Heads up, guys. It's about black holes. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> um, tonight, uh, you know, because you've already clicked on the, the episode and you can read the title, but tonight is all about good, bad movies. Movies we love despite their flaws. That's right. Um, I'm a big fan of bad movies, and um, some some other people are too. And some of those people are on the show tonight, one of which... Along for the ride is our first guest host of season six. Not only is this guy a bad movie connoisseur, he is also the author of such amazing books as The Rib From Which I Remake the World, Nausea, the frigging amazing revenge porn Western trilogy, Boone, and many, many more, as well as the editor of the recent In the Cold, Cold Ground, an anthology of New England horror. Please put your tentacles together for the man with the handsomest voice in town. Mr. Ed Kurtz. Yay. You had me at cowboy revenge porn. Yeah. You have think that's Ed Kurtz. Oh, Ed, do you think that's fair? Do you think that's a a fair assessment of of the Boone trilogy or am I, am I a little, I do. It's uh, if if you have a Venn diagram of people that are really interested in uh, progressive uh, politics and uh, violent Westerns, I think there's about seven people. 
Oh, and that's I'm in that. Liver, and that's, and I wrote those books for those seven people. Thank yes. You, sir. <laughs> uh, sir, welcome to the show. We, we love having you here. Um, you you are a guy who um, got me to really pay more attention to Tubi. I'll say that because you're always talking about the I most ins- insanely weird, random, obscure, terrible-looking movies, and how you you torture your 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 very poor girlfriend with them i do um uh it's it's you're you're a masochist you're you're a sadomasochist really in all? that way um so yeah at tubi tubi's freaking awesome i i, I find i love Tubi. yeah i'm, I'm I always a lot I, of asylum films there they, well, i don't we were talking about that earlier i'm not not a big we fan were. of asylum movies but um one thing they have, and I've heard that this might, the structure of this could change in the future, and I hope, I hope it doesn't make anything suck. Because they, they have um, a setup where basically anybody, if you meet the basic technical specifications, can upload their movie to Tubi. Oh so it, it truly is the people's streaming channel. Wow. Um, and people do. I mean, a lot of people do. Um I, I mean, movies like they Netflix made with their friends too. and their iPhone, and that's and awesome. I sort through I had them. No idea. I watch those movies. There, those are made for seven people in the world, and you're you're one. And of I'm them. one of them. Yeah. yeah. So that's good. It's it's getting to their fans, which is really it's finding their audience. Their audience is you, which is pretty <laughs> awesome. Um, so before we get into the discussion on all these awesome bad movies that we love. Um, I would like to give you a little time to talk about your writing. Uh, you are a very prolific writer, and I am a big fan. Um, Thank you. you. So, yeah, just tell us a little bit about uh, the kind of stuff that you write. Tell our audience. Because I know, but they yeah. might not. I don't remember. Maybe you could tell me. No. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a genre guy. Um, I'm a pulp guy with uh, who, who wants with loftier aspirations, I guess I'm, I'm a pulp guy that wants to be taken seriously, but, um, yeah, I like, I like horror. I like Western. I like crime stuff. So that's what I read. Yeah. <clears throat> I've read, uh, a few of your books. I read, uh, I did read nausea, which I put into the, the, the intro. Oh uh, yeah. That, that's that, actually one of my favorites. Nobody's, nobody's read that one. Uh, well, that let's see. You have seven people and I'm one of them. So, <laughs> here we are no uh that was a great book uh it was a, a hitman dealing with his uh his uh burgeoning morals he was yeah. uh kind of kind of starting to care uh for some stupid reason and he couldn't figure out why um there's a lot of uh, a lot of self-introspection a lot of flawed characters um in your writing and and that's that's one of my favorite things you know i i love uh deeply layered deeply flawed characters um that that are not terrible people you know i i they do they might have done terrible things but you know there's always that little kernel of a heart of gold that makes you gives you a reason to like that character kind of a thing well to me that's a considerably more interesting character um yeah right for sure because people just are really flawed and fucked up something i think about a lot when because because i like everybody else in the world i mean i'm plugged in and i get angry all the time (laughs) <laughs> and it, and it, and it, and it, and it, you know, because you're just constantly seeing people being horrible, yeah. um, right? It's because you're plugged in, maybe that you are so angry. It, well, it does. It gets you like, you know, and you're like, oh, these people are terrible. I hate these people. But but 
one thing that keeps me with like a sliver of optimism is that I'm, I, I think about all the time is um, something that um, goes into uh, like prison outreach of, of all kinds, um, which is uh, you are not the worst thing you've ever done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big time. Um, generally, people are in prison because of the worst thing they ever did. Yep. But it's it, uh, one hopes. You know? Uh, that there isn't a worse thing they didn't find, you. right? But, um, and I'm not saying there aren't loads of horrible, horrible people in prison, but, um, you know, you are not the worst thing you've ever done. You know, people make mistakes, people fuck up, people are flawed, right? And if and you do, you have to make tough choices too, you know, so sure, yeah, and sometimes make you make the wrong choice, um, right? People are works in, uh, in progress and uh, in messy, and those are. Those are interesting stories to me, hmm. uh, or stories about messy people. Yeah, me too. Definitely. And messy narratives. Right. Right. Not a clean yeah. story. No. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's just, uh, you know, that always, you know, the messy narrative thing is like, you know, it, it, it's, it's life. You know, nothing is planned out. Nothing, nothing goes according to plan. So, you know, when something is too pristine uh, feeling, it, it just, it's boring. But, you know, at least to me anyway. Um, but you know, as far as the characters go, it's like, yeah, how, if, if you have this perfect, um, perfect, perfect, I mean, it's like, I don't actually want to shit on specific characters, I guess, but if, if you have a boy scout type character, I, I mean, I, I can say like a Superman, I guess, or something like Captain America in the comics, you know, those, those types of characters didn't really interest me growing up. I, I always liked the, uh, the Tony Starks, the, the people who fuck up and, you know, have, you know, drinking problems and stuff. And then they have more, they have more room to grow. It's like where you know to see somebody who's already polished and perfect to grow is is kind of like what or if it's a you know a type of character that you know is good at everything. I always called him the uh, the Buckaroo Bonsai type. Mm-hmm. This is like you know something I Buckaroo think today Bonsai. we call a, a a Mary Sue or a, a Gary Stew yep. or whatever. But like Buckaroo Bonsai was the first time that I saw a character that could do absolutely everything better than absolutely every other character. <laughs> and that was just not I'm the most interesting man in the room. Right. Not my favorite thing. I'm like, this is sort of dumb. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your anthology that you edited for Cemetery, Cemetery Dance uh, in the Cold, Cold Ground? This is uh, this is pretty cool. We actually had one of the authors that's in this on uh, on our show last at the end of last season, Morgan Sylvia. She was on. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Um. Yeah, she's she's wonderful, and her story yeah. in the anthology is uh, incredible. If you if you only read one story in that book, uh, it should be mine. But uh, if you read two, <laughs> read two, you should read mine and also Morgan Sylvia's. Um, yeah, it's called In the Cold Cold Ground. Um, it was not put together in a in a traditional sense. We didn't have. Uh, like an open submissions call or anything. It's really just a, a group of, of uh, friends coming together and making a book. Mm. And the only theme was that they had to take explicitly take place in the state they were assigned. So there's six novellas in the book and for each of the six states in New England. Nice. Um, and it has to be a horror story. That's, That's it. it. So they're all very, very different from each other. Um, Although Kyle Rader and I were joking as we were getting close to the end and uh, uh, sort of racing each other. And I, I mentioned to him that I had this kind of uh, Fulci the Beyond ending in mind. 
the sort of bleak, hopeless ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said, that's exactly what I just wrote for the ending of my, <laughs> oh, but they're not, they're not identical at all, but they're both have these like really wonderfully bleak endings. Um, In reality, he just took the idea and then went home and changed the ending to a story real quick. That's, yeah. what, he, that's what actually happened. Yeah. Well, probably. Have sort of the outer yeah. limits with those, yeah. those no, endings no, that make you want to, no, that your eyes out. <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but that's how the book came together. Is uh, he and I were very cool chatting one day and decided, why don't we do this? Yeah, who, who are four other people we 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 would want to do this with? And it just went from there. Yeah. You obviously uh, got Stephen King for Maine. <laughs> well, I got <laughs> even better. I got Morgan Sylvia for Maine. And Seriously, Morgan her Sylvia story is, uh, is is really really fantastic. Incredible. She's an incredible writer. She is an incredible nice. writer. Uh, for her appearance, uh, I had read through. Um, uh, it was called Carry and Harvest. It was a novella she put out. And, I've uh, read that one, yeah. Oh, it was it was so good. I couldn't put it down. Um, I read it in two sittings, and um, it was fantastic. She's she's fantastic. Um, so good on snagging her um, in the cold, cold ground. It's available everywhere. It came out at the end of last year, it, yep. kind of in the fall at some point, right, I believe? Yeah, around Halloween. And, uh, yeah. Very is cool. there a preferred place uh, for you to sell the book? Like, if uh, folks like myself, you know, wanted to get it on like Amazon or Kindle or something like that, is do you guys prefer like, oh, go to my website and get it there or anything? Um, not really. Uh, there will be signed editions eventually um, in the near future, uh, signed with book plates because getting all six of us in the room together is not that easy across all of New England. <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> But uh, so yeah, if you wanted a signed one, you can wait for that. But um, it's not like uh, like it's not like other stores, you know, give you more of a cut than someone else or something. Yeah, like no, that. no. Okay, yeah, because that does tend to be the case with like musicians and uh, and video yeah, games. Like, certain you know, people oh yeah, yeah. Get a lot less money from certain retailers. So I mean, solid question though. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Uh, but this is out by uh, Cemetery Dance, which is very cool, mm-hmm. great company. Um, and yeah, check it out, guys. In the cold, cold ground is the anthology. It's it's really you know it's all novellas, so they're longer than your typical short story. Usually, an anthology has more stories, but they're shorter by different authors. And this has only six, but they are you know there's a lot of meat on those bones for you to dig in. Uh, very cool. Um, I have not read this. I'm not going to say that I did, but I I'm excited for it. I want to read it, and uh, I got to wait for that signed version. That's for sure. Um, although I do that, know that where be... some, I do know where some of you live, so I could, I could perhaps <laughs> just show up late one night, um, very creepily with just holding it up like, like, uh, John Cusack with the boombox outside my window. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but yeah, so good stuff. Um, let's get into the, the topic of the night. So movies are so bad. They're good. Um, so this is a topic that is near and dear to my heart, as has been mentioned many times in the show by myself. I am a big fan of Mystery Science Theater. Uh, obviously, we had Frank Conniff on last year, which was really nice. just such a humongous treat. And, uh, you know, we love movies that are, you know, all types of movies. You know, they don't have to be this pristine, perfect thing for us to for us to really dig in. And there's a lot to enjoy, uh, depending on your expectations and depending on what level of fun you're looking for, whatever. Something that is, you know, a C movie or a D movie could actually be like an incredibly fun experience that you have more fun watching than a movie that's technically superior in a lot of ways um it's all it's all subjective it's just you know it's whatever you dig but as far as i go you know i i tend to have a lot of fun 
um, with these these movies that uh, leave a uh, you know a lot to be desired in the production or the acting department or even the special effects department or whatever. Um, it really just sort of depends. So the way that we we did it tonight is uh, there's four of us here, and the first half of the episode we're going to go through some quick. Uh, honorable mentions. We each have three we're going to present, and they're going to be short presentations. And then we're going to do the Octoponder. And in our second half, we have our primary picks. So we each have one long presentation for you. Um, and uh, and we'll see how it goes. Um, sound good, guys? You guys ready Sounds to great. do this? Sounds good. This journey into the so bad it's good territory. Uh, oh, fuck yeah. Excited. Fuck yeah. All right. So. I will start us off. Uh, my honorable mentions. Uh, oh my God, this was so hard. Uh, you know, I set myself up for failure here. Like I could essentially do 16 episodes of this topic and maybe this is something we'll revisit in the future. Who knows? Um, but so this is by far from, you know, far and away, not a comprehensive list of everything. Oh my God. It's just so much good, good, bad stuff out there. But let's start with, uh, these are three that I felt like are definitely like, z grade like these are z grade and i love them so much they're all completely in my heart and um and i just had to shout out these three they're they're like top of mind when i think of this kind of stuff first one is samurai cop 1991 Uh, samurai cop kind of became a little bit uh notorious thanks to i think clips being shared online uh, there's a lot of scenes that became really like the, the ones that you would see over and over. And you kind of see this mu- muscle bound guy with long brown hair, big wild eyes, like really, really big wide eyes Super and crazy, uh, eyes. And crazy eyes, this guy. And, uh, and the dialogue is just horrendous. You know, I mean, there's a, there's a scene that I saw so many times shared online of uh, this dude with long brown hair and he's talking to this blonde nurse. And the, the, I mean, the dialogue just absolutely makes no sense. And, you know, it's like they're flirting, but, you know, if you actually listen to what they're saying, it's like, you know, humans don't right. talk this way. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> right. And, and you know, she's just basically like, uh, hey, do you like what you see? And he goes, yeah. And she's like, yeah, do you want to fuck what you see? And he's like, bingo. <laughs> and so, like, already, already, like, like oh, that, yeah. was a, that was a bit of a Really joke. nailed that one there. Do you like what you see? Do you want to fuck what you see? Yeah, like my, that's a sentence. My parents no told one me has ever they met, so yeah. no one has ever said that sentence. Yeah, maybe not. No. <laughs> and and then it it takes a twist again because you're like shocked. You're like, oh my god, she asked. She literally said that. And then and then she's like, uh, she feels him up. She feels his crutch, and she's like, oh, not really impressed. And he's like, oh, it's big. It's good. And she's like, well, are you circumcised? The doctors must have cut off a big chunk. And he's like, no, no, it's actually really, really big. (laughs) (laughs) And this is all one just just random conversation. And it was just especially funny in a, in a vacuum, you know, when you're just seeing this clip and it's like, oh my God, what, what is the context for the scene? And the answer is there just is none. This lady is in this one I've never heard people talk or flirt. Wow, so funny! It truly is AI writing a movie now. You know, I mean, it's like somebody, and this this happened a lot with uh, Italian movies, where you know the Italians were so sure they understood American dialogue uh, better than the Americans. Like that gibberish song that became a hit over there. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, like it's it's just bizarre. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, a lot of cases where this kind of thing happened. Famously in Troll Two, Troll Two is another one. It's not one of my picks, but like the the dialogue just doesn't make sense. Nobody talks like that. So this movie is like full of that kind of stuff. 
Uh, I also love in is specifically in Samurai Cop. I love watching for the um, they they filmed like like half the movie. It turned out, and then the the guy making it ran out of money. This was like in the late '80s, and everybody went their separate ways, and never expected to hear back from this guy. And this movie was just an unfinished movie. That's something they did for two weeks, you know, back in 89 or whatever, and never thought about it again. And then like a few years went by and he got enough money to like finish it. So he went around contacting all the main cast and the, the main hero guy with the long hair had cut his hair. So um, he, uh, uh, his name's Matt Hannon in, uh, in real life. And, uh, and he, uh, they're like, well, crap, like we need you to finish the movie. So they got him like this, this, the worst wig you've ever seen in your life. It's it's like a so clearly a, a woman's wig and the style of hair does not match his previous style one bit. So they, they intercut the wig and the regular hair throughout the movie. And it is so fun to watch it and go like wig, no wig, 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 no wig, yep. no wig, wow. wig, wig alerts. <laughs> Absolutely awesome, and uh, also there's uh, the greatest, uh, the greatest uh, yarn lion sculpture that has ever existed. Is, Holy uh, shit, is that movie. lion is so so rough. Yeah, they really yeah, focus on it. Yeah, it's it's something. I I don't know if it was like made by somebody who was just really like like oh well, my aunt really makes these gigantic uh, yarn sculptures, and they're like, well, I've never never seen a yarn sculpture i've never before. i've never needed this before uh you're like well she's the makes biggest them. ball of twine in minnesota but... <laughs> yeah see i've seen that <laughs> yeah. uh where did anyway, you find this film that's my it was, question it was literally because i was seeing clips on on youtube and just being shared around the, the socials uh but um yeah it's 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 a crazy one um samurai cop definitely worth your time um uh next one i'm gonna go down and i'll just i'll just get through all of them and then if anybody wants to comment on any of them go for it um miami connection which ed kurtz is wearing a a, a shirt of which is amazing he's wearing a uh you guys can't see it but you're just gonna have to take my word he's wearing a dragon sound shirt dragon sound is the fake band that uh that the characters of miami connection happen to also be in they're kind of actually kind of buckaroo bonsai ish in this movie um all the uh it's the basically thing that they're best at is being friends is being <laughs> yes that's true <laughs> yes friends forever uh oh i can't remember the rest of the what are the words friends yeah it's rough it's a and then at rough. one point they just start shouting taekwondo yeah tie yeah <laughs> Oh man! Oh, I love it's, this already. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. So, so yeah, Miami Connection, nineteen eighty-seven. Um, this is uh, this is just a movie that is is nothing but heart. Uh, it's it's inept in basically every possible way it can possibly be, um, except for the fact that uh, you know the the guy who's the main actor in the movie is Master Y.K. Kim, and he is a a, a guy who had a uh, an actual Taekwondo dojo in Miami. Um, and he is very, he speaks very broken English, uh, clear throughout the film. All of the main cast were just his students. And he just decided to try to make a Kung Fu movie and uh, promote Taekwondo and promote music. And one of the guys, uh, you know, he was a songwriter. So he wrote, you know, I think two songs for the, for the movie. Uh, and I think one is played twice. Um, 
And uh, yeah, it's just this goofy, like American Ninja type, like uh, good guy karate school people versus evil ninja drug dealers. Like it's really, really not it's more just than 12 that. guys who live together as guys do. Yeah, as guys. Sounds do. like and the they, young ones. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all college students, even though Kim is clearly like 40. <laughs> there's, there's I'm like, a college student too. There, there's so many subplots that go nowhere, and one does at the very end. My father. Um this is <laughs> oh this god. is a oh my god. This is a, a movie that I just I can be in a terrible mood and throw on Miami connection and it makes me happy. Yes. Um, it's so weird. Um, it's like, it's, it's like, it's almost precious, right? Like it's like this, these, these perfect little weirdos, this group of perfectly, uh, nice, just wholesome, weird humans that were all friends at this, the snapshot of, of, in time of their lives that they made this weird goofy movie and nobody's an actor and uh it's it's charming as hell it is just charming as fuck i i, I love it my miami connection also has an amazing i own it uh vinegar syndrome put yes. out oh this nice. absolutely like too gorgeous for the movie um blu-ray i mean vinegar syndrome does do some really good stuff um really really awesome so anyway Samurai Cop, Miami Connection. Last one I'm going to mention is Star Crash. Star yes. Crash oh. is... Uh, I went on a very good friend of mine, uh, Mr. Mark Vandervalk. He uh, and I are big Star Wars fans, which Ed Kurtz is not. We I'm just not. get that out of the way. That's fine. I'm not. We love him anyway. Um, and he uh, he and I decided uh, some time ago, more than a decade and a half ago, that we maybe like 20 years ago, we were going to start finding all the Star Wars ripoffs that we could. And honestly, I thought of a lot of them for the spot, but I'm like, no, I got, I got to go with, the, I got to go with the best. And if you want the best Star Wars ripoff, <laughs> that's not Spaceballs, because that's not a ripoff, that's a parody. It's different. Spaceballs is a lot better than Star Crash, though. But Star Crash is the one. Star Crash is like Miami Connection. It is inept in a lot of ways, almost all the ways, but it is so full of heart. And the interesting thing and, is, and a so, ship that looks like boobs. It, no, that's that's Battle from Beyond the Stars. Oh, that's right. Oh, you're yeah. thinking of Flesh Gordon. No, he's oh, I love that one too. Though <laughs> <laughs> he is thinking from uh, Battle from Beyond the Stars. You're which, right. Yeah, which is Roger Corman. So of course the ship has uh, not only boobs but an ass too. It's basically <laughs> just a torso <laughs> ship, boobs, ass, and uh, the whole shebang. I won't tell you where the uh, the exhaust port is, but I'll leave it to your imagination. I think you can figure it out. That's um, no bigger than a womp rat. Oh. <laughs> um star crash is italian um but they used actors and actresses that were not italian they had it stars uh caroline monroe the lovely caroline monroe i love her so much she's such a staple of um i don't know like hammer movies uh she was in a lot of hammer movies in the in the 70s and um She's also in uh, At the Earth's Core, which is one of my favorite good, bad movies. I thought about picking that. But Star Crash is her like Barbarella. So she gets to be Stella Star. And um, this was a movie that like, the, you know, the, the writer was tasked one week after Star Wars hit, uh, you know, the movie that became A New Hope, like rip this off. This just hit an, over in America. Write us a Star War. And he literally like you have a week to do it. So he was given this impossible task, and yet he like elevates the material 
by trying to make it as good as he could. It was almost like the ET game for Atari. And like it's remembered as being this <laughs> the worst game of all time, right? It's it's rem it has this reputation. But like, you know, if you dig into the concepts that the guy who programmed that game was trying to put in there, it was like actually pretty revolutionary, pretty interesting stuff, but he wasn't given enough time to flush it out, so none of it worked. It's it's really kind of like that. Like you could have rested on your laurels so much more than you did, but you tried to make something special. And he like they work in so many types of special effects into Star Crash. There are like every type of visual in camera and uh, just like stop motion effects and like you know matting and and matte paintings and like like every possible thing you could do. They do, and there is even a scene that is uh, their tribute to um, Talos, uh, the Ray Harryhausen bronze giant, which we talk about in our Harryhausen episode from last season, uh, from Jason and the Argonauts. Uh, you know, you remember that big, huge statue that comes to life, and uh, they did their version of that. You know, it's definitely not done by Ray Harryhausen. It's not as good, but they tried. They really yeah. tried. They tried so many damn different things. And, um, and I mean, Hey, uh, uh, what's his name? Joe Spinell from, uh, various eighties movies where he was in, he was in like Rocky, right? Wasn't he, mm -hmm. wasn't he in Rocky? He's, and he's, he's Rocky's, uh, underworld boss when he yes. really becomes a professional boss. Right. Right. And he was, uh, he's in, he stars in maniac and, uh, he was in a bunch of movies, Joe Spinell. He's the, he's the, the bad guy in this. And, um, he's very, very greasy in this movie. I mean, he is Joe Spinell, so no offense. Uh, but, uh, there, it, it, there's, there's like just a good amount of fun stuff. Marjo Gortner. Everybody loves Marjo Gortner. He's the son of a preacher man. Um, okay. Nobody knows Marjo Gortner, but he I, was the I son don't. of a preacher man. So uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. He's also in food from the gods. He's like got the weirdest, he, uh, hair and nose. He was a famous child preacher. Yes. Who yes, went on to, uh, debunk it all in a great yeah. documentary called Marjo son of a preacher man. Exclamation point. Um, yeah, so this uh, is the one I'm thinking of. There's there's two really big actors that you're kind of burying the lead on. Yeah, here. so uh, David Hasselhoff <laughs> is in yes. this, and also they had for like I think it was like one day, one afternoon, they got Christopher Plummer. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. So he's he's like high as a kite too. You can tell. I mean, he is just gone, but he he's used throughout they were really smart about his appearance they make him like the president of space or some bullshit you know yeah. and he's like he's like you know instead of just saying like all right we're gonna film him and put his two minute scene in one section they're like no we're gonna have him like you know 30 seconds here 30 seconds there so yeah. it truly feels like christopher Plummer is just in this movie which is actually like really smart and they they did a lot of really smart things they, they it was like it's interesting and uh caroline monroe as is, is just at her just peak gorgeousness um the one bummer really if there's one thing i could change about this movie is that i wish caroline dubbed her own lines unfortunately they hired a different actress who was american to redo all of her lines because caroline was english and uh i have no idea why on earth they would dub her um makes no sense whatsoever so that just endlessly pisses me off but other than that man star crash is a fun fun time and really the theme of the three picks that i just delivered is heart like they all have a ton of heart the filmmakers were really just uh trying their best really 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 trying their best to make something special and they were not able to to do it but that doesn't to me at least mean that it's not 
entertaining and with you know it, it definitely has merit for me um maybe it'll have merit for you guys too so anybody want to talk about either samurai cop miami connection or star crash before we move on uh did you know that uh luigi coatsy mm-hmm. the, the the great uh Worked schlock with, uh, director right? huh uh, argento he was he, he uh he oh, was argento a, yeah he was a pupil of argento's and he made star crash um and he uh he somewhat recently published a novel that's a sequel to it I did not know that. But it's only in Italian. It's not been oh, translated. Son of a bitch. You gotta learn Italian. I know. I hear they have good food. That's what that's what you know. I think it's all spaghetti, but it's good. It's all it's spaghetti just, to me. Yeah. Really you just go into a restaurant in Italy and they just hand you spaghetti. They don't have menus. They put it in your hands. Yes. There's no plates. It's, it's very like visceral. Adam Sandler movie with the old lady in the meat. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> oh, take a bite. I want to see your face Ooh. when you taste it. Uh, so, Coop, you have not seen any of these, right? I have seen Star Crash. Absolutely, oh, okay. I had I had the VHS of that. Oh, wow. nice. yeah, yeah, that was that was uh, fun. Wow. That came into Blockbuster, and I was like, yoink, yoink. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking to myself, Christopher Plummer was in this, right? And yeah. you hadn't said it yet, and I'm like going crazy in my chair. I'm like, <laughs> why isn't he saying it? <laughs> um, well, that's why I got you here to remind me. No, um. Yeah, it's weird. It's really weird how entertaining that movie is. Like, uh, and one of the things, uh, you know, I mentioned my friend Mark, who, uh, you know, we watched all these Star Wars ripoffs together. Um, one of the things we always said about Star Crash that we loved is that for some reason they decided to use Christmas lights for the stars. So when they're <laughs> when they're using, <laughs> they're showing all the establishing shots of space. You know, like the stars are pretty. Like they're like red and blue and green. It's like why did they do this? But you know what? I, I sort of love it. It doesn't look real. It looks it looks just stylized. It's just an interesting choice. I I believe they did it on purpose, not because they couldn't find all white lights or something. I'm sure it was, you know, by choice and it's by design. It's like, yeah, this is cool. I actually really dig this. Have um, you seen the Coatsy's Hercules films with the Luke No, I, no, I've I've uh, never seen those. He has a lot of the same kind of uh, effects. Okay. Types of effects on those films that he has in the Star Crash. So, you know, I, I really did Steve Reeves guy. <laughs> What's that? Oh, oh, the Hercules yeah. guy. <clears throat> I, I really like some of the there, there's the big there's two stop motion sequences uh, in Star Crash. Well, there's probably more than two. There's two types. It's either the big, huge thing that they fight big like Talos wannabe statue. And then there are these two robots that they uh, they yes. use as the guards for Joe Spinell. And those guys, they kind of they almost look like like another universe's version of crow from mystery science theater. Like that's what they sort of remind me of. Um, they're not, they're not gold. They're, they're, they're silver, but I don't know. They sort of just remind me of him, but they are kind of awesome. Like I sort of, I sort of want those guys as figures. Like they're cool and they, they are janky as they move, but they, they did like a, a fight with them, like the skeleton mm-hmm. fight. You know, it's, it's just so neat. It's so neat. Uh, trying to try to be Jason, the Argonaut so hard. Um, <laughs> randomly, but yes, Samurai Cop 1991, Miami Connection 1987, Star Crash 1978. Those are my those are my runner up picks. Uh, we can move on. Um, Ed, would you like to go next with your with your runner up picks? I, I can certainly do that. Okay, because that would just be that would just be swell. That'd be the biggest knees. <laughs> All right, this 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 is a really hard kind of thing. It is. 
to, to, to select. So I, I, I had to just kind of go, you know, nobody's nobody's going to bleed out if you pick the wrong things. Chill out, man. <laughs> I, I've Remember, tried to put... a black hole. <laughs> Uh, and if you do, it won't matter anyway, right? All right. It's all going in the black dead. hole. Um, now I've tried to put together a top 100 list. Hmm. We don't have time for that tonight, but that's no, admirable. <laughs> but it's very hard for me <laughs> yeah, to do that because then, then you have to get into ranking. And then I, I, I feel like I always approach bad movies differently. There's not just like one level of bad movie there's like all kinds of different subjects Agreed, yeah. yeah it's all shades of gray and you, and you approach them in different ways but uh, my number one uh is from uh the great land of texas um 1993 uh it's a movie with th- uh, at least three titles hmm. and I, I i find that a lot of movies i like have have too many titles um <laughs> it's called champagne and bullets Okay. It's sometimes called that Road. Delightful. Yeah. Sometimes it is delightful. It's sometimes called Road to Revenge, and it's also been called Get Even, but it's one word in all ca- caps, so it's Get Even. Get Even. <laughs> don't. Uh, I'm a big fan of, of Blockbuster. Yeah. yeah. And it was it's uh, it was written and directed by a uh, attorney in I think the Dallas area, uh, John D. Hart. He stars in it. <laughs> <laughs> as as a tough guy um wow and um it's really really bad um <laughs> it, it it's plot is sort of confusing because a lot of these movies and two on my my list here do this like um um uh samurai cop you just mentioned did this where they ran out of money mm-hmm. and had to come back later yeah. but not not as well they didn't do as well as samurai cop did because you know they couldn't find some of the same actors so plot devices had to change um and it the plot just constantly twists into new things that have no precedent and characters completely change motivations <laughs> um but he somehow managed to get a couple of character actors that if you watch enough of this stuff you'll recognize uh, william smith who was in lots of biker movies in the okay. in the 70s and uh, he was actually the main bad guy in red dawn uh is in this and um uh, Wings Hauser, and if you're not a Wings Hauser fan, you should be. Get yes, familiar with Wings Hauser. The man is nuts, and he's wonderful. He was sort of a up and coming, like real Hollywood actor, and I don't know if he, if his, I don't know why. I don't know if he's just so eccentric that he just didn't quite jibe with people. But he ended up falling into B movies, and he always gives the wildest performances. And in this particular <laughs> movie, he's clearly just fucking drunk <laughs> through the entire film Excellent. and john dehart lets him have a like an ad, ad two actually ad lib scenes all to himself Old. one of which where he's standing fully clothed in a pool up to his waist the other one in a bar where he's just allowed to go for several minutes yep just drink from the fire hose everybody and it's amazing <laughs> it's amazing um it's bad movie gold it's it's a treasure wow uh he also john dehart also wrote and performs uh several songs oh uh, for the film oh my god this is checking all of the boxes wow. of the yeah. red flags of cinema it's like <laughs> is the director the main actor does he do singing in it yeah <laughs> like, yeah oh, it's, shit. Well, 
Uh-oh. This falls under the category, and it's the only one on my list that does uh, a, a favorite category of mine, which is the vanity film. Oh, yeah, and there's all kinds right. of vanity films. I mean, Hollywood does it too. But when somebody who does not make movies for a living is looking in the mirror one morning and goes, "You know, who should be a movie star." It's fucking me. This guy. This, <laughs> so this is the, this is the, uh, the Tommy Wiseau. I don't know how to do it, but I'm going to do it the fuck anyway. Tommy Wiseau, I Neil Breen. Neil Breen. That, yeah, I would Neil, thank you. Neil, Neil Breen. Breen Tommy Wiseau. Uh, Neil Breen's a huge yeah. favorite of mine. Because I'm going to make so- my own big break. Like, that's the energy. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to break myself. I respect the <laughs> hell out of that, though. They're going to make your own big break? Go for it, yeah. man. So. I mean, They're going if, if you... If you actually achieve it, then you get the last laugh, right? I mean, if you end up and you make Sling Blade, cool. Yeah. You right. made a pretty good movie. Um, but that's not usually what happens. <laughs> <laughs> what you usually get is, is something that's just a mess. But with something like, but Champagne and Bullets hits that sweet spot where it's so audacious and, and everything, you know, like you, you think you've seen everything he has to give you. And then he gives you shot on the the movie shot on film, but he interspersed some footage, video footage of him years later, clearly older, <laughs> um, uh, practice badly practicing kickboxing with with bags <laughs> on his porch. It's just like I put that in the fucking movie. This uh, is the scene we it. never got to shoot. Ah, oh, it's the monkey on my back. I got to talk about the shimmy, shimmy shake at the at his at his bar. That is one of the most magnificent things ever, and for no apparent reason. Even though he's the lead actor, mm-hmm. when he's singing that song, he looks more scared shitless than anybody I've seen in my life. <laughs> he looks like he's a condemned man, and he's singing a song about doing the shimmy, shimmy shake. It's, he's about to be shot right after this. He looks like he's he knows be, he's about to die, he's and about it's about to be so shimmy, great. shimmy shot. <laughs> it's uh, uh, another Vinegar Syndrome release. I don't know if it's still in print or not, but you could probably find it. It's Champagne and Bullets. Nice. And it's... Uh, that sounds it's amazing. Really I, I didn't know good. anything about this movie. So, Ed, uh, tonight, you know, after we wrap, I'm definitely going to hop on Tubi and watch something from from the evening. And so now, I mean, I mean, you got to beat Champagne and Bullets for me. So let's see how you do. That it's, sounds it's good. That one. sounds amazing. Yeah. Uh, next one is is also pretty great. Um, Dangerous Men. Okay. Um, now this one was made by uh, an immigrant from Iran, which I believe Armin Shervan, who made Samurai Cop, was all, is also Iranian. So there's uh, I don't know if they knew each other or not, but hmm. um, Arvin Sherman, uh, Shervan, Shervan, whatever his name is, uh, he went on to make a few movies, but um, I think this is the only one that this guy made. His name I'm I, I'm not going to pronounce well, so please, uh, sorry, was uh, Jang Hagir Salihi. Yaganarad, but well, he didn't want to put that on film, so he, he his stage name is John S. Rad. I mean, that's a good change. It's a and good, good change. That <laughs> you see that name in the opening credits like 17 times because he did everything and he wants you to know it. Um, this is the ultimate we ran out of money and came back years later to finish it because he couldn't get anybody back. Like, no one. And this happened at least twice in production. It took him, like, I don't know, 10 or 15 years to finish this movie. And when you've only shot a third of your movie and you literally can't get a single actor back. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) throw in the towel, but he's like, I'm just going to have to change this plot really drastically with a whole new cast. 
And so the lead changes like two or three times over the course of the film. Following the plot is a fool's errand down that road, Lioli Madness. Um, but it has some really wonderful moments, like the score by John S. Rad, which is just this droning, like a uh, uh, like synth bump, uh, kind of synth uh, bump, synth bump, bump. Synth, it's just bump. bump. It's synth, really bump, bump. goofy, uh, and it just plays the whole thing. But the, the best moment of the movie is the butt knife. Oh, okay. Where, Boy, let's go. Is this like, it, uh, is it made of butts? Is it made no, by butts? No. Is it made for butts? Uh, the movie opens when a loving couple is walking on the beach and two bikers show up and just kill him for no reason. And then she mm-hmm. runs away. Well, I mean, bikers. But then she, no, she doesn't bikers run away. She right. decides what I'm going to do. Even though I've just saw my fiance horribly murdered in front of me, I'm going to seduce his murderer and then kill him. Hmm. And so she wow, takes him to thinking. a motel room and she comes out of the bathroom completely naked. And then you see her from behind and she's clenching a knife with no sheath between her butt cheeks. <laughs> to a writer that understands how to write women. Yes. And it's just every woman I've ever known. It's just so well, always watch out for the butt. You can see your yeah. hands, you think you're safe. Oh but my knife. god. Jazz hands, butt knife. Yeah. Yeah. I can't possibly be in danger. Ah, you fool. It's oh it's, butt it's, knife again. You never checked one, for the butt knife. At one point he uh, wanted to do a car stunt, so he took his adult daughter's car without telling her oh, and yeah. pushed it off a cliff to film Oh, I her. love this. Um, <laughs> it's always best She's just like, where's my car? It's, it's in a ravine. I'm a filmmaker. I don't know what to tell you. I'm doing it for art. Yeah. Um, it's, wow. It's super, super, super good. Going to replace that car, Dad? Because I got to get to work tomorrow. I really Sorry, like, honey. Art. In much the way I really like the, the vanity projects, I really like the ones where they just really want to make a movie, but they don't really have anything to say. Um, they just have skipped over that entirely. It's like, yeah. well, what what story do you want to tell? Right. Like, don't like worry Manos. about that. Manos. It just, doesn't matter. Yeah, I just want to make a movie. That's all that matters here. Yeah. And um, or yeah, Fateful and Findings it, also. Neil Breen, uh, Fateful Findings has that same problem. Well, like, I my think- God. I think what the sequel comes out at the end of this month. I can't wait. Um, Is that the one with the pizzas and uh, Hayden Christensen? No. <laughs> um, Neil Breen. It's a is real a whole, thing. Look it up. We, sh- we should have a Neil Breen <laughs> episode because that's oh yeah, a whole, that's a whole thing. You're, you're inviting yourself back on to talk about just Neil Breen. I okay, sure fair enough. But um, but I, I really like these movies that. What I've always said about movies, because people ask me this all the time, because I get known for watching. They say, Ed. They say, Ed, gee, you're handsome. And I say, thank you. And they say, handsome, Ed. Is there anything that would make you turn a film off? And the answer is uh, boredom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If I'm just checking out because it's just boring. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Nothing to to laugh at. Nothing to enjoy. Then I'm out. But yeah. a movie like Dangerous Men will have your mouth hanging open for the entire running time hmm. because you just can't believe what you're seeing. Cinematic it's, train wreck. It's it's like if they if they managed to to build a camera that could see inside the head of a severely schizophrenic person during the the the, the midst of an attack, like mm-hmm. an episode, you would get a movie like Dangerous Men. Um, highly, highly recommended. Hmm. 
and, and available on a lot of streaming services last I saw because it was a draft house release. Wow. Yeah. So I have this scene there. That's that's freaking yeah. awesome. <clears throat> this is what I was hoping for. I was hoping that you were going to drudge up some just Z grade stuff that my these God. Juicy cuts. I've never juicy. even heard of these. This is These are very juicy. Oh, yeah. My, my and, last one. <clears throat> your last handsome pick. My last handsome pick. I cheated. Uh oh. Um, because I'm I'm a dirty bastard. It's a tie. Because I wanted to go into a different subcategory. You bastard! You you picked two. It's a tie. And invited yourself back on. Yes. <laughs> um, yes, you're handsome. <laughs> and you're so handsome. And he's wearing a dragon sound shirt. Son of a bitch. He's perfect. Hoisted on my own play to win. <laughs> so. Uh, this follows this 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 falls under the uh, the umbrella of camp, okay. Uh, and I couldn't choose between uh, the lonely lady starring Pia Zadora, based oh, on the wow. Harold Robbins novel. Wow! Oh my God! Uh, or Mommy Dearest, in which Faye Dunaway famously plays uh, wow. Joan Crawford. Wow! Wow! Yeah. Uh, in her life okay. story, according to <laughs> her daughter. Holy crap! Those are and, somewhat different films. They're different, but they're very, very similar to me because they're they're well. I mean, they're both from the early '80s, um, and they're both like sort of soap opera esque, but without any of the uh, inhibitions that television soap opera would would necessarily have to, uh, to to put on on the program. So they, they get nasty, but um, they're they're both movies uh, starring women that that are acting their little hearts out, and they and they. And they're acting so hard that they're pretty sure they're going to get all the awards this year. Um, and thinking about all those shiny awards on their shelves, they act so just a little harder just to really send it home, to really make sure they get all the big ones. Uh, and they act so damn hard that they're the funniest fucking movies I've ever seen in mm. my life. Um, <laughs> they're movies about abuse and assault and drug abuse and spousal abuse and just all kinds of horrible things that happen to people and they're so fucking funny <laughs> because they're just they just they didn't dial it to 11 they dialed it to like 21 right um on on just the ridiculous camp um yeah Good, what, good, what good you just stuff. said about like acting your heart out and going over the top just yep. because you're picturing the award. Have you ever seen uh, the Christopher Guest movie for your consideration? Yes. <clears throat> They're those kinds of performances, like from a Christopher Guest movie where you're yep. like, and in the movie, everybody would be applauding her, you know, and you and the well, audience that was kind going, of the, oh, that was the plot, though, because uh, yeah, Catherine O'Hara's character, like they're making this silly movie, and um, there's this supposed Oscar buzz that's being talked about and so then she she you know gets all in her own head and is like oh well i'm you know something special now and so yeah it's from there on she she goes from a very honest working class actor to somebody who's up her own ass and uh she just ruins yeah the whole thing. well pia zadora was clearly up her own ass because she was married to an israeli uh millionaire at the time uh a, a much older this is already <laughs> after she's you know conquered santa claus of course, um, she's done it all by this point. She's and uh, he, she, and she's uh, danced so much dancing. 
she basically wasn't she told in him, Naked Gun, uh, thirty three and the third, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, she was in one of them. Yeah, that's but she right. eventually became a joke. And this was this yeah. movie was why she became such a joke because uh, she <laughs> she told her husband to buy her a Golden Globe. Oh, um, and he did, and she got this award that was like best newcomer or something like that. Uh, because he's poured a lot of money in the right places, and she became a laughing stock for getting this bullshit award that everybody knows she paid for for a wow. notoriously terrible movie. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. And it was, it's very similar with Faye Dunaway, who was a serious actor. She'd been in Chinatown, yeah. for fuck's sake. Although I think her performance of that was also... I, I, I think that, you know... Uh, she's my daughter she's my my sister the scene is it doesn't hold up anymore i think it's i've, I've never seen i've never seen chinatown she was in bonding clyde though right yeah, yeah. uh-huh that's another one yeah. um but uh which is thought, uh, coincidentally the first on-screen performance of i don't know gene wilder oh, oh i didn't know that okay cool um well, she she really thought that this was going to be her Oscar-winning part mm. when she, as playing Joan Crawford, and her performance is, is so so <laughs> so over the top yeah. with so many wonderful lines. Um, yeah, it's she's just so nasty. Um, the movie opens with her putting her morning face on, mm-hmm. and my I don't know if all copies of the movie have this but i highly recommend uh getting getting uh whatever copies have the john waters uh commentary oh so if you're oh. a john waters fan it's really, holy really crap worth it. <laughs> he, he it, it, she's putting her makeup on in the mirror he referred to her as the world's first female female impersonator <laughs> and it's that kind of movie where you could swear this was like a drag comedy yeah that's sending up movies like this but no it's the real thing they're being serious so yeah, Jesus. for some reason, like I don't know why. Whenever I think of Mommy Dearest, I always think of uh, the the first image that goes into my mind is that scary lady face from uh, the movie Black Sabbath. You know, oh the, yes, yes. You know the the one. I think it's the first the, segment, and it's like yeah, really scary in the bed. Thing. Yeah, yeah. She's like the dead old lady in the bed, and it's just a mask, but it's so unnerving. Yeah. But it reminds me of like Faye Dunaway in this movie. Yes, like it, it's it's like the caricature <laughs> of the caricature. <laughs> Yes, Black Sabbath. Not a flattering comparison. <laughs> Is this the uh, the No More Wire Hangers movie? Yes. Yeah, that's what I think of. That's a wonderful scene. There's a uh, the Don't fuck with me, boys. Uh, is a wonderful scene. <laughs> um. Yeah, there's 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 quite a few, but uh, yeah, it's 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 a wonderful movie. Uh, I try to watch it every Mother's Day. Nice, <laughs> great tradition. Oh man, thanks, thank, thank you so much, Ed. That was fantastic. What, what a what a great three for. Um, I think I think honestly, I'm still champagne and bullets so far. Uh, so you guys <laughs> oh, are gonna have I to watch all of these. Yeah, <laughs> I know, for sure. Fuck. Um, all right, so eight uh, bit coop. Wh- whoever wants to go first, you guys can fight it out. Uh, doesn't matter. You probably wanna... have better ones. I I like misunderstood the assignment, so mine mine will be interesting, but uh, it's not exactly. Uh, Do you want to rock paper scissor for it? Uh, sure. Three, we'll, just, we'll just say okay, okay, one. Or oh, no, that's not how you play. Dude, rock paper scissor shoot. Rock, paper. I think that means you won. Yeah, oh, it means he okay. won. That does. I want to go then to get mine over with. <laughs> Rock and roll. All right, let's, let's give it. it. Let's do it. What you got? 
Okay, so I, I took the assignment as um, a movie that you love that was maybe like a straight-to-video. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I wasn't thinking Z-quality. I have certainly seen Z-quality films. No, I mean, it doesn't have to be Z-quality. You know. It can be, be direct-to-video. It's just like a movie that is not A-plus material. Oh, definitely. Good, yeah. But you like it. But yeah. you oh, yeah. love it, yeah. yeah. So I, I've, I've got one, and um, I, was, I was telling... Um, of uh, 8-Bit and uh, Parasite Steve about this, but uh, one, one of the movies that I like is a, a, a little-known 80s film called My Science Project. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. 1985 American teen science fiction film directed by Jonathan R. Uh, uh, Bitoul. Um, it followed on the heels of other teen sci-fi comedies such as Back to the Future, Real Genius, and Weird Science. And I was, like, right there for this. I, I remember watching this with my babysitter back in the day. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Surprising cast here. So uh, John Stockwell, uh, Danielle Von Zernick, Fisher Stevens, okay, Raphael Zabarge, uh, Richard Mazur, Barry Corbin, Ann Wedgworth, and Dennis Hopper. So it's uh, oh, wow. it's kind of crazy. It's it's so cliche it hurts in certain spots, but you're, you're talking about like characters with heart and this guy is like, okay, he's a gearhead with a heart of gold and he's doing like all of these crazy eighties tropes. Like, Oh, I guess the nerd girl likes me. Yeah. My girlfriend just broke up with me. Okay. I guess you can come along with me on a date. And I'm like, wow, he's so mad magnanimous. Wow. What a great guy, you know? And, uh, they go on a date to where you normally go. The, um, the military uh uh what is it junkyard so you can <laughs> find stuff like <laughs> that disposal yard right sure you know, he goes in and he finds an alien engine you know uh that uh eisenhower had buried so he finds this and you know using his magical gearhead powers puts it together as his science project because dennis hopper his science teacher that doesn't make sense anyway. Um, you know, it's like, you really need to apply yourself, man. Now I'm going to go to the rally about like war and stuff. Like what? None of the, and it's just anytime Dennis Hopper comes on screen, you're waiting for something else weird to happen. But um, I mean, long story short, they end up going back in time and you know, it's, they, they see a dinosaur. It's pretty crazy. It, it's got some weirdness to it, but it does have that little element of heart. And it's like, all right, great performance by fisher stevens where it's like yeah the, the man really could do no wrong back in the 80s <laughs> you know and, until short circuit then he did very wrong but anyway well, yeah i was gonna say the brown face <laughs> a little little wrong yeah, uh, okay. yeah i think that was 89 and i don't know but but anyway you know but uh it, it was it was an interesting film it is available for you to watch in entirety on youtube oh. unless you you can pay for it if you want. It's on several of the services. Amazon has it for rent and all that. Um, I watched a grainy quality and it was just fine. It's like looking at old 400 speed Kodaks. It was mm. awesome. So my know, mom actually loved this movie back in the day. It's cool, you know, and yeah. it's dumb and it's cool. Yeah, so nice. No, perfect, perfect one. That's a great one. So um, it's, uh, yeah, that's a fun one. That's an honorable mention nice. for me. And uh, the next one will kind of surprise you guys because you'll say, wow, I thought that was a big hit based on how popular it is with everybody. But uh, surprisingly, direct-to-video. Oh, was a big hit because of all the popular Exa See? See what he wow, said? you just said exactly what you thought he was going to say. Uh, this movie, <laughs> 1999, Boondock Saints, direct-to-video. Direct so uh, written and directed by Troy Duffy. It's uh, his feature uh, directorial debut starring Willem Dafoe, Sean Patrick Flannery, Norman Reedus, uh, David DeLarocco, and Billy Connolly, as well as Ron Jeremy does show up and make an appearance yeah, in this. <laughs> uh, it's, it's basically, 
I, I don't know how to explain that nobody has seen this because I'm sure everybody's seen this movie. So I'm not going to go into the plot, but it's two Irish guys that are hitmen and, you know, they're being um, pursued by the FBI, played by Willem Dafoe. And um, they find out their dad was kind of the original Baba Yaga boogeyman, uh, John Wick type character played right, by Billy right. Connolly. And um, it's just so much fun to watch. So, uh, you know, it's, I mean, in, in Boondock Saints for a long time was that movie that was like this cult hit that people are like, hey, you got to check this out. And they'd have the uh, VHS tape and start passing it around. And um, I remember when I lost interest in this movie was when uh, I went to Hot Topic and I saw that they had all kinds of Boondock Saints 2 merch coming out before the movie came out. And I'm like, that movie's going to suck. And sure enough, <laughs> the heart that we talk about in the movie is God. completely lost in the sequel. And and I mean, I love, um, oh God, what was his name? Uh, Freddie something. I forget the other guy that's in it. But um, he's the one guy that I really liked in, in the sequel. But everything else is just so terrible and ham-handed. It's just like, oh, did you guys even watch the first movie? Why are you making this? Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, honorable. Because Troy Duffy is Saints, like, man. you know so far up his own ass that like he he just thinks everything's everything's amazing i don't know that guy, does, that he, guy does he do more stuff now or no no he he spectacularly like destroyed his own career by being a complete insufferable piece of shit like oh okay the the the, the there's a hugely interesting story about how boondock, boondock saints got made how long it took and basically what a piece of crap troy duffy is um, that movie is a is in my opinion a really great movie. I, I think I it's a good really movie. Like yeah, it. uh, really like fun it. fun flick. Uh, definitely very melodramatic, but the the comedy uh, slant really kind of makes it all kind of palatable, and it just sort of works. It's really just sort of one of those movies that probably shouldn't be as good as it is, but it just is very good. But yeah, that sequels. It's it's the best rough. movie I can think of where they're trying to talk their mom out from shooting herself. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it's like like name a better one. <laughs> I can't do it. I it is a unique genre. <laughs> I, I was interested in what uh, Ed had to say, because uh, you said that there was some categories that you have. So I imagine there's like bad sci-fi, bad Western movies that have Pauly Shore, Chevy Chase, you know, like things like that. Like what, what kind of categories do you have? Oh God, I don't even know. Uh, it's something I really should break down. I, I really would like to write a long essay that I would title uh, how to watch movies because I think uh, we were kind of talking about this earlier, Steve, before we started, that I, I think people have a tendency to approach every movie this, with the same set of expectations hmm. for right now. I'd agree, especially when it comes to like Marvel movies. And if, you, you're, if, you're if those expectations like that, yeah. aren't met, then you're like, Oh, well, that's a piece of shit. This mm -hmm. isn't connected right. and there's no space. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I have discovered in the last several years that there's lots of movies that like teenagers have made in their backyard with camcorders that I think are great fun um, because I've learned to not lower my standards, but to alter my expectations of what I'm getting into when I watch something like that. Um, and what that ends up doing for me is, yeah, these little categories kind of pop off of my head, but uh, uh, definitely the... Uh, comp uh, the, uh, the Vanity Project is a big one. And what I should have said about the second one, Dangerous Men, because you were talking about this, Steve, with uh, Samurai Cop, 
is um, there are a lot of movies that I will turn to my partner and just say alien transmission. And she knows what I'm talking about, which is the move, the kinds of movies that look like aliens from another dimension who know <laughs> nothing of human life. Oh, they yeah. only know an approximation of how this should be. Have kind of gotten a quick, like Cliff's Notes yeah. version, <clears throat> including what movies basically are. And they all and live that, in Italy. And they went, I could do that. Yeah. And then they made a movie about Earth people and gave yeah. it to us. And we go, I mean, no, you got it all wrong. No, dude, Earth that's people Flight of the Navigator. Act like no this. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is 100% like Troll 2. That's, yeah. that's Neil Breen. That's Tommy Wiseau. Yeah. That's uh, alien so, transmissions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just that's like kind of a category what? in itself. Yeah. Nobody talks like this. Nobody acts like this. Nobody would ever say that. You can't go from that A to that B. It yeah, doesn't make your any sense. Back in your pocket. <clears throat> yeah. No. It's, American it's, graffiti. What? Oh, no. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, just a real quick piggyback on the the different types uh, uh, of expectations. I really like that, and I think that that's um, you're articulating a point that I've made uh, before. Just in general, just be, you're making a better point out of what I've always felt, which is just like yeah, like certain things are like okay. Th this is the best way I can explain it. Godzilla, right now, I'm now we're big Godzilla fans on the show. Uh, Tim and I just hugest Godzilla fans. Okay. Oh yeah. There are so many flavors of Godzilla that I think there's room for different types of takes. So I think you can have something that's silly, like the sixties stuff and like the legendary movies are kind of becoming more silly. Uh, and then you can have a minus one that is truly like a fantastic film. So, you know, one is not going to win an Oscar. The other one might, but, and I like them for different reasons, but I truly love both flavors. I like the vanilla and I like the chocolate. Um, I can't go into Godzilla minus one expecting a Showa era, you know, versus Gigan, but, and vice versa, because then my mindset is going to be all fucking everything up. Yeah. I need to like, be open to what it is. And I'm just sort of down for it all. Like it, it's fun in a different way. And yeah, there are movies that I've seen that are just like, you know, like you said, like just people made in their backyard or whatever that are just incredibly fun. And I've seen like movies on Netflix, like these, you know, Chris Pratt probably starred in all of them and they're like <laughs> so forgettable and so bland and everything, but technically they're better in a lot of other ways in you know, technical production. ways. Sure. Yeah. In yeah. production ways, but sure. Yeah. But they're content. Yeah. But it's, 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 or, or just, it's grist right. for the content. Yeah. Or, you know, a word we're not even saying is derivative. Like something yeah. is, if something's truly original, that goes a long way. And even something like star crash where it was derivative of not just star Wars, but of many things, somehow it worked as something that felt original. There was enough in yeah, the wrapper it's its own flavor. that has, yeah, enough of its own flavor. And I think that that's sort of really, really exemplified in Godzilla because there are so very many directors and styles and different directions and tones and all this, all these different things throughout the decades since the fifties um, that I sort of just like so many flavors for Godzilla, but you know, 
I think there are two technically well-made Godzilla films ever. The first, first one and, the last. <laughs> and minus one. Yeah. But I yeah. love I love all the bad ones too. You know, it's Even like including the 2015 one with Brian Cranston. Uh, 2014. I like Was I like that one. Yeah, 2014. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I like it. It's not it's, as as technically well made as minus one. I didn't see minus one, so I um, so I would say that that one's a fairly technically well made movie. Um, definitely not as well as minus one. Oh sure. Um, cool. and I think it it has flaws, but um, but yeah, no, it's it's definitely uh, more serious than like Godzilla versus Kong, which we just got, or Godzilla King of the Monsters. Like they were kind of they're kind of sliding into the silliness now, but um. You know, for me, it's cool. But anyway, so like, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. Like to to you know, it's I think so much of what controls our enjoyment of a thing is ourselves. Like, yeah, there's going to be things that I hate too. You know, absolutely hate. Like, what a piece of crap that was. I'm not saying like you know, like everything. You can hate whatever you want. It's your own personal preference, whatever. But I do think that attitude has a, a large part to play. Sure. And um, I think that it's it sort does. of, you know, kind of fun to just be like open to, you know, whatever and try to find the good. And that's what we do on the show all the time. We always try to, you know, not rag on stuff, you know, talk about the the good and the bad and stuff like that. So this is kind of like a very Redoctopus episode right here, folks. Can, can we still rag on Wonder Woman 84? Yes. Go for it. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> so do you have a third runner-up pick, Coop, before we hand things over? Is it Wonder Woman 84? Uh, yeah, it's Wonder Woman 84. Yeah, Wonder Woman 84. <laughs> no, it's uh, the entire catalog for Neil Breen. Um, yeah. I mean, Him in, as a in, unit. In terms of, uh, of movies that I like that are direct-to-video and stuff like that, um, I mean, an- another one... I, I guess like a, a guilty pleasure film that I'll, I'll pick is uh, called a night's tale. Uh, it's a movie that I watch sure. often. I oh, watch yeah. it um, every year. I was recently gifted a, uh, a signed by the director Blu-ray from my good friend, Patsy, the angry nerd. Nice. Um, it's, it's funny because I never realized uh, after watching it so many times and I, I watch it every year on Christmas, just because that's my, that's my time to watch it much like you and mommy dearest on mother's day. Um, but I never realized that this was basically, Oh, this is the precursor to, you know, the literature from Jeffrey Chaucer Chaucer, who plays the character in his own story and all that. And I'm like, wow, it's so deep, but it's, yeah, it's cheese. It's, it's camp. It's all of this stuff with like these illusions that it's like, oh, that's a David Bowie song. Oh, they're they're playing ACDC right now. Oh, they're doing all this. This shouldn't work, but it's one of the most fun and enjoyable films that I watch every year. So I, I'm going to go with that yeah. one. Yeah. That's a great pick. And, cool and you know, what's, too. what's, what's really <laughs> totally. interesting about that movie is I, I think that the, the chief aspect that gives it that camp feel is the, the random ass modern soundtrack. It's so weird, and you're right. It shouldn't work. Such a like jarring juxtaposition, but like right, it definitely exactly. gives it its own unique thing. Exactly. It's why it's sort of remembered. It's not. <clears throat> I mean, it's a cool. You know, Heath. Good. Good cast. Great turns oh, yeah. by Heath Ledger Paul and uh, Paul Bettany, and also uh, uh, Tucker and Dale, Alan yeah. Tudyk. Yeah, like. Yep. He's great in that movie. He's so funny in that movie. He's so like his young manic. I, I love Rufus when he would... Sewell from Dark City. You know, I mean, I, right, right. I love Rufus Sewell. So like that is uh, that's all fine and good, but it's that soundtrack that I think people remember because it's like, what the fuck is this? This is terrible. And then you sort of get into it, and it's like, 
I kind of love this. I don't yeah, know exactly. why. And like, it's so unique. So again, with the, uh, it's like watching a high school the, play and then everybody perfect. gets up and like, just gets it, you know? Yeah. It's just an interesting <laughs> thing. They did all that with the soundtrack. So you could have the exact same movie with a more traditional soundtrack and it would probably be completely forgotten. You know, maybe, maybe people would remember cause people love Heath Ledger, but, um, good pick. Very, very interesting pick. Very cool. Uh, yeah, I think a lot nice. of people, a lot of people like that movie. I think I, I've, I've talked to a lot of people who yeah. bring that up mm -hmm. as a fun flick. Um, so eight bit, take eight bit alchemy, Mr. Mr. Alchemy, as we say, I want to take you? us home for the first half. Sure. Yeah, sure. Uh, so yeah, I think, um, uh, I'm glad that the conversation came up about different genres, quote unquote, of what a bad movie could be. Because I think when coming up with like the list for this episode, I was struggling a lot because I'm like, some of these movies I just straight up like. Like it's even hard for <laughs> yeah. me to be like, is this bad? Like, do people think this is bad and I am the outlier? Or like, is this not bad? Like and you just like <laughs> are so blurring the lines. It's it's kind of crazy. But the three that I have um are kind of all occupying different spaces in the spectrum um so i'm going to start off with a movie that is truly bad and i find enjoyment out of and that is 1981's frankenstein island uh, oh wow this is a, a total goddamn mess of a movie um and i i have to i have to paraphrase a comment from the the full movie is on youtube um and it is it is talking about Roger Ebert who had Ebert who had featured this movie on his Dog of the Week show, and he claimed that it, he characterized it as probably the most inept movie he's ever reviewed. <laughs> um, and I found like <laughs> that quote was so fucking funny, uh, and it really is like just such a hot mess. You know, it's like just a movie about these hot air balloonist guys that crash on this random island the island is inhabited by just a whole gaggle of women wearing leopard print clothing for no reason a lot of leopards there's on like strange telepathy that's going on where like their arms just start like feeling tingly and they're like oh what what is this and they're like describing it as telepathy and it's like what what are you talking about like, <laughs> you keep using that word i don't, I don't right. think it means anything to me <laughs> i don't think it means anything it means <laughs> and the deal is is that Dr. Frankenstein's like great granddaughter, Sheila Frankenstein, has set up a lab on this island in order to continue the research done by her great grandfather, who is played. Oh God, I think he is. Uh, John Carradine. Yeah. No. Uh. Or there's. It's kind of like a. Hold on. Yeah. So so John Carradine is is Dr. Frankenstein. But her like husband slash um, grandpa part partner to oh. Doctor Frankenstein is Doctor Von Helsing, and <laughs> not like not someone didn't read the book, right? And and sh and the her whole deal is like she's trying to find a way to keep Von Helsing alive because he's what been is alive for like two hundred years. 
And <clears throat> by continuing her great grandfather's research, I think he had a pretty good run. Maybe it's time we hang <laughs> up. This no, we need more. Gates. Yeah, it's so stupid, dude. And like the the movie really has so many funny parts in it. Like there's this one part where they're just doing like a a campfire, and all the leopard skin women are just like playing the bongos for like way too long with no dialogue, <laughs> and they're just playing dancing. the bongos for way too long ago. And it's supposed to be sexy. They're like, oh, look at them gyrating. And like all of the people are like, the, the hot air balloonist guys are just all watching. And there's just a lot of bongos. And they're like just really close up shots of them eating. And it's like, <laughs> what even are they eating? You know, it's like, they're like, oh, they're about to feed us dinner. And they sit down and they just like hand them these like handfuls of like stuff like is is it a sandwich is it a fruit like they're eating it like it's a fucking like chicken sandwich but it looks like it came off a tree i'm like what the fuck is this and it just it lasts for so long use your imagination (laughs) right yeah don't worry about what it actually is what do you want it to be uh and yeah i mean it's it really just has so many funny things before that scene the guy looks over and he like grabs the attention of one of his other friends and he's like hey look over there do you see that? And it like pans over to a woman who just has like a snake and like the snake is like on her arms and she's just clearly like, I don't know. Was it wriggling this way in that? It was, but it wasn't anything awful. It was just, okay, woman with snake. And the guy's like, that's the most disturbing thing I've ever seen. It's like, (laughs) is it though? What I, I'm not really on the same page as you, man. They fly in from Utah? I mean, like... <laughs> right, like, we've seen white bread. That's all we know. So this is disturbing. Um, it's it's honestly really funny. And, uh, and there's all these different henchmen that are around the island that have, like, these super ice blue uh, contacts. And they're supposedly, you know, when you revive a body, they, they become sensitive to light. But then there's also a scene where, like, they're playing, like, football with the the henchmen just to like pass the time (laughs) like it's it's such a it's such a trip uh it's honestly great um but yeah frankenstein island uh you can you can see the whole thing on youtube there's multiple uploads of it and uh yeah it came out in 1981 no no actors other than john carradine that i was you know uh, familiar with but that's like a so bad it's good okay. in the most traditional <laughs> sense, right? Uh, so then, total, that of, was total Z grade, total right? Z-grade. Total Z grade, so bad it's yeah. good. Most inept films Roger Ebert even has ever reviewed, Damn. and that uh, was uh, that was only until he saw the movie North. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, with John Lovitz, <laughs> love it. Oh, you love the Lovitz. Subway, eat French. Um, so the <laughs> next movie. Stinks. <laughs> the next movie is is uh, a departure from that category. So the next movie is the category of this movie is probably not a lot of people's cup of tea, but it's really my cup of tea. And I really appreciate it for that. And I think it's excellent at what it is doing if you like what it's doing. And that is uh, 1996's The Stupids. Um <laughs> <laughs> the Stupids is uh, directed by John Landis and features uh, Tom Arnold and Jessica Lundy and Bug Hall and Alex I love McKenna. Jessica Lundy. 
I, Jessica Lundy's awesome. I've her. literally only others other than this seen her in Caddyshack Two, which was a shitty movie that had Jessica Lundy. Like that was the <laughs> notable thing about it. I was like, well, oh, Jessica Clay, Lundy's cool. I don't think anyone's ever described it as such, but yeah, um, never. Literally, I love, the, I love only takeaway. Um, but yeah, so the stupids is just fantastic i mean like it has like the color treatment it's smarter of... than it sounds it is yeah it's it's got the color treatment of like peewee's big adventure where it's like got this really you know kind of like old-timey look to it but it's got this really vibrant technicolor going on and i, I just love the look of everything and the family is so endearingly dumb that it works thoroughly like they're they really are stupid as shit but they try so hard for each other and the whole family unit is like so there for each other to make whatever they think reality is happen and you know the kids are like everything's a clue like you know the the chinese food delivery guy comes and drops off a menu in their door and they're like did you see that he came up to the door and he didn't even ring the bell what did he do oh he left this behind it says the Jade Palace. What do you think this means? I don't know, but something tells me that we have to go here. And they're like, they think that their dad is literally been kidnapped because at the beginning of the movie, he goes out to check the trash cans and the trash is missing. And that is the <laughs> cause for the whole movie to happen is he goes, Joan, someone has stolen our garbage. And the whole movie is just about him tracking down the fucking trash guys. And he's like following the trash truck on rollerblades because he goes into the garage and does the math. And he goes, okay, what are my options? I have two wheels. He looks at the bike. I have four wheels. Looks at the car. I got eight wheels. And he looks at the rollerblades and he's like, best mode of transportation. And he just follows this fucking trash truck on rollerblades. I mean, blades. the math does check. The math be mathing. And uh, and so the kids think he's kidnapped. And like, I mean, there's there's no point to sum up the the just the sheer number of dumb jokes. The movie doesn't stop. And uh, what's also incredible is that Christopher Lee is in this movie and is... <laughs> he stole the garbage? <laughs> no, so he didn't... He... he he is the evil entity known as Sender because oh, yeah, return to Tom Sender. Arnold worked at the post office and kept seeing letters that were addressed return to Sender. And he's like, now that's odd. Why are all of these people's mail being addressed to Sender? And he goes to his boss and is like, I think I've discovered a conspiracy of the century. And I think that this sender person is stealing everybody's mail. And then it eventually goes to like this insanely overly done dramatic recreation of who this sender person might be and who who uh, Mr. Stupid is believing is he is. And it's Christopher Lee. And he's got like these insanely sharp talon like fingernails and he's ripping through everyone's mail and he's like uh christie's wedding no one will be going to that i'm sure and throws it in like this dragon fireplace that he's using to incinerate all the fucking people's mail it's like this movie goes so hard for the dumbest shit and i i love it to pieces like it really is a movie that is so my cup of tea, but it's like also kind of probably a super shitty movie for most people that are like, this isn't funny. All of these jokes are dumb. Why, why do you like, like it? And it's yeah. like, yeah, I know. 
I'm this in reminds me of that uh, mom and dad save the universe movie. A little oh bit. yeah, <laughs> mom and dad I haven't seen that one uh, with, with John, uh, John Ritter. Oh yeah, John Lovitz and Terry oh. Gar, right? Yeah, Terry Gar was in it. Yeah, oh, man, John Lovitz seems like an untapped. Oh, John Lovitz was the bad guy. It was yeah, he was Spango. <laughs> yeah, so who's who's the dad? Spango. Oh I God, it was Jeffrey Jones, Jones, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, ugh, ugh. Yeah. that hurts. <laughs> That's bad for a different reason. Oh God! But I well, did. I did love him in Deadwood. Sorry. Yeah. Well, oh, uh, you don't have to apologize, Coop. It's, you know. Yeah. Yeah. There's no apologies necessary. But uh, yeah. So. Well, maybe from Jeffrey Jones, but the, 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 <laughs> that's true. Um, but anyway, uh, moving right along. Uh, yeah. So the the third the third movie. Um, this one's a little bit cheating. Um, it's not really I picked two movies or I couldn't decide. It's more like I was going to go with one and am instead going with another. But I have to mention the other one. So the initial movie that I was planning on, on mentioning was um, The Ice Pirates, um, was um, 1984's Ice Pirates. And yeah. the reason why I hesitate to choose it is because I just kind of liked this movie and didn't even... I didn't see anything wrong with this movie. Like I, I think it is a genuinely good, spoofy 80s sci-fi movie yeah. that has space herpes. Like, there's nothing wrong with this movie. And a honestly. penis munching uh, uh, conveyor belt, right? Yeah, yeah, yes. conveyor yes. belt that they that they are you know thankfully saved from. Uh, but it's got a solid cast like Robert Urich, Mary Crosby, Michael Roberts, Angelica Houston, Ron Perlman, and then I got to see Bruce Valanche not in Hollywood Squares, which was like really weird for me. Uh, basically, you know, it's thought weird he for lived him in too. that square. It's weird, for him yeah. Too. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, honestly, I, I couldn't in good conscience choose it because I just think it's a good movie. Um, I really don't I really don't get, you know, any kind of like bad energy out of it. It's just a fun, goofy, self-aware sci-fi. I straight movie. up wish we could have gotten a side quill of just Angelica Houston's character and like what she, she was, was so doing. badass. I know. I know. She was awesome. I know. She's, she's awesome. like the coolest character in that whole movie. And she's like, we should do a whole episode anything. on pirates. <laughs> sure. Uh, the, of, the, kind of the light of or dark water variety, various colors Just of like water, all. yeah, <laughs> all. including Angelica Houston's character. Oh, yeah, space pirates, <laughs> space pirates. Um, yeah, so Ice Pirates, I thought was just kind of a good movie. I, I didn't really think it deserved to be in this category. Um, so I am, I'm going to pivot, and the uh, the actual final pick that I'm going to do is yet again is uh, it's See, even Tim third one. He che- he cheated too. He's got four. Yeah, guys. yeah. Well, I, that's why I like you, Ed. You know, you made me feel better about that's, cheating. That's what we. That's what I'm here for. for. Hey, thank you, man. I, to encourage uh, crime <laughs> and I'm revenge. A, I'm a crime catalyst. Uh, so the the actual third pick is uh, I I feel like a even third genre, which is the trying to be so bad it's good, uh, and that is uh, Thanks Killing. Oh, which is the yes. 2009 American independent black comedy slasher film that was 100% made to be a schlocky piece of crap and was all leaning into all the terrible jokes and gobble gobble motherfucker a giant you know ancient killer <laughs> turkey named turkey uh you know the movie starts with him killing a, a naked pilgrim woman and just says nice tits bitch like it's just like <laughs> it's not trying to do anything other b- than be like the most crass awful thing. i mean nice tits bitch counts as dialogue <laughs> it does somebody and- had to write that you do, it, yeah, someone it's did have better it right than that movie you were talking about, <laughs> Samurai Cop. Or, or yes. Uh, oh, I know, right? Do you want to fuck what you see? Yeah, uh, I mean, really, nice right? tits, bitch. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> Same level of flirting. <laughs> yeah. 
But uh, uh, yeah, keep it so, warm for me. Oh yeah, right. Just make sure to keep it warm. What am I keeping warm, Samurai Cop? Your vagina. What's a katana again? I thought that was oh, it's Japanese sword. Means, means Japanese, Japanese sword. sword. He's like mid sentence, and he just stops. It means Japanese sword. It means it's like Japanese thank God, sword. The authority Thanks, on what Napoleon. katana means is here. <laughs> right? Yeah, I know. It is such a Napoleon dynamite like line. Ligers are my favorite animal. Oh, <laughs> they're basically the most like coolest animal ever. Japanese sword oh, skills. Means Japanese um, sword. Yeah, so thanks killing. Like it's just a, a movie about this ancient Turkey that is just devastating this group of modern teenagers. And it's amazing. It's bloody, it's gory, it's stupid as hell, and it just has all like the lowest, you know, brow comedy going for it. And it's awesome. I mean, why I watched this in college with like eight other people, and every one of us was like there for this and it mm -hmm. just made the movie so fucking fun because none of us were judgmental we're all just like yep this is maybe the dumbest shit ever and uh <laughs> and are just so enjoying it and and even a step beyond this uh i have not seen it but they made a sequel to thanks killing three years later and it is called thanks killing three <laughs> there's only I two <laughs> like wow. that's the dumbest shit that that's I love. fantastic that's just see something stuff. like that like like we watched that Adam Driver dinosaur movie. What was it? Fifty uh, sixty-five million Six, BC. Oh, yeah, whatever that. Yeah, sixty-five. I think. It Literally, was like the number. I was like, it's called forty-five. Like I have no idea what it's called, but that I know there's was, a number. <laughs> seriously, like it was so bad on a different level, and I was expecting to love it and everything, and and we just like Tim and I and what Ed and, said uh, it was boring. And it was boring as fuck. It was, it was terrible. As shit. None there of the moment nothing. to moment was was like. It's amazing. Any, and I had there, that problem with dream sequence. Yeah, I didn't enjoy. There that is one. no reason that that should be less fun to watch than Thanksgiving. No shit. But for right. some reason, yep. it was. It was. Yep. It was just awful. And, and then you get something like that. That sounds so, uh, uh, Tim. That sounds like uh, along the vein of the Gingerbread Man and Jack. Frost oh, oh yeah, Gingerbread right. Man. Uh, right. Carnosaur and all those. Yes. Yeah, it, it totally is. Like there was, I mean, I'm sure I say there was a period of time where those things were coming out all the time, but like, I think I'm just not as aware of it. Um, my wife and I, like last year, the year before, watched Evil Bong. That was my also... friend was in Evil Bong three. <laughs> she, no way. She played, yeah, she, she with played me? one of the alien girls. Yeah, uh, the I actually aliens. think oh, I know. I, yeah, I think I know somebody who was in one of the alien. Uh, yeah, the. Evil Bong One was a really fun time. Yeah. Like my wife and I just honestly laughed and and really enjoyed it. And we were like, I can't believe we just finished that movie and kind of want to see the sequel. Like, I don't blame unreal. you. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a good good time. But yeah, there's just that kind of like category of of horror movie, you know, that's like really going for the schlock. Um, but yeah, so I mean, those are my honorable mentions. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I I like this concept of genres of so bad because they mm -hmm. really do exist it is a real thing yeah 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 absolutely no those are those are fantastic picks and uh it was it, so you know full disclosure we watched ice pirates together the other day <clears throat> in anticipation for this episode and yeah that was the first time i had seen it in a while and i also was expecting it to be like worse and it was really just fun and i yeah. watched a bunch like, of movies for this um episode that i also kind of felt bad about i'm like i sort of don't i sort of like this too much yeah and <laughs> right and i i don't know but it, it it's 
I don't know. It's it's important to realize, you're like, yeah, well, you know, it's okay. It's okay if if uh, you enjoy something that's not a plus. Um, but that's that's awesome stuff. Uh, I think I think we'll we'll move right along to uh, to the Octoponder, unless anybody wants to talk about any of those fine films that uh, you just mentioned, uh, uh, Thanks Killing oh. or Ice Pirates or the Stupids. The Stupids, I remember watching with you when you were a kid i haven't seen yeah. it since it, That's it so is funny. one it was one of my movies i don't know why for like i was really into the little rascals and then i tried to find like a lot of movies that had bug hall apparently and by mm-hmm. i i mean like you mom i don't know um but like we were the stupids had movie. bug hall and then also safety patrol which was a <laughs> direct to tv disney movie of bug hall and alex mckenna the two kids from the stupids but they were older and weird al was in the movie and it was just about kids who were like the safety patrol for this high school and that movie kicked ass it was so good i just didn't get a chance to watch it um but yeah i was a big fan of snow day you ever seen that one Oh, also man, a Chevy Chase movie. Familiar. It's a Nickelodeon that, film. Um, it was a theatrical release. It does have Sissy Spacek in it. Okay. Uh, and um, if, if you're a fan of, uh, I can't think of the actor, but um, uh, Scott Pilgrim, um, the Stephen oh, yeah. Stills, the actor that played Stephen Stills, it was his big uh, theatrical re- release. There's oh, uh, Sissy Spacek's daughter. Sorry, she was the one who was in it. So, oh, okay. but it's a uh, it's a crazy thing. Chris Elliott plays the bad guy in the uh, snowplow, who's going to ruin everybody's snow day. So, it, it's it's kind of like a, a very much like a long episode of Pete and Pete. Oh, dude, <laughs> Pete and Pete is such an acid trip. I would love oh, yeah. to go back to. Yeah. I mean, like it's an it acid really trip. W- for kids. For kids, <laughs> it's it's like oh, we want like the most mundane, but like also what the fuckness of like what Nickelodeon could do at that time. I desperately want to rewatch Pete and Pete. I feel like I would appreciate that show crazy much. Is that on Tubi? It's not on Tubi, but I want to say if it's anywhere, it'd be Paramount Plus because they have like a lot of classic Nick. They made a Pete and Pete like complete series DVD a while back and I meant to get it, but yeah, I missed out. But yo ho fiddly D. <laughs> what what uh, episode? A pirate episode, right? What are we, what are we talking <laughs> so about here, Pete guys? Pete, you should definitely watch the pirate episode. <laughs> pirate. I think we might uh, be getting some uh, hints, some very subtle hints dropped as to uh, what one of uh, Cooper's upcoming episodes might be. Oh yeah, mm. <laughs> Pete. Pete. Oh wait, what? That's yeah, it's a whole Pete and Pete episode, right? I think <laughs> I read between the lines. Yeah, yeah. We nice. each choose a different Pete. All four of us. Uh, <laughs> There's only All two right, guys. All right, guys. Well, it's about that time. Uh, it was a great first half of the episode. We want to keep things rolling. Uh, we're going to take a short break, but before we do, we have something for you guys to ponder Octoponder. That is this week's question, which I posted pretty late in the day. So for those of you who answered, thank you so much for not leaving us high and dry. Uh, today was kind of a weird day and it kind of got away from me, but the question is, in this, and this is Ed's first time hearing it, so he is he is going to have to really show off his his creativity and his writer's chops, which I, I have mm-hmm. full faith that he's going to be able to do. Oh dear! In the spirit of the so bad it's good Sharknado franchise, which what would your animal plus weather event disaster movie be? Bonus points for describing a little of the plot. You guys got it. Yep. All we need a weather plus an animal. Here, okay. 
And you guys gave uh, some pretty funny answers. I love these. Uh, so why don't you guys think about that for a little bit, and we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Hey, kids. It's time to check out the Dorkening Podcast Network. With over 30 podcasts that encompass everything from horror to video games to comic books and so much more, you're bound to find the shows for your taste. Whether it be Nerds of Unusual Origin, That Strange Show, Retro Red Octopus, Splash Pages, Throwdown Thursday, The Horror Squad, Still Talking With, My God, man, I can't read all of these. So just feel free to play and experiment with the Dorkening Podcast Network. There are over 30 shows chock full of nerdy goodness to sink your ears into. And they're all available on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever fine podcasts are broadcast. Are you a fan of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comic books? Then Epic Tales from the Sewers is a podcast for you. We cover the comic books, video games, movies, cartoons, and anything else turtle-related. We talk about the toys, we talk about the cereal, we talk about all the fun things about turtles that we love so much. So give a listen. You can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and more. Check out Epic Tales from the Sewers, part of the Epic Airways podcast network give a listen dudes cowabunga is this podcast for you attention this is the lost skeleton of cadavra and you are listening to rancho notorious no wait no that's retro redoptopus hey are you ready to do some bacon it's about that time where we ask you the audience to octo ponder this welcome back aboard everyone before we took a break, we asked you guys this week's Octo Ponder This Question. In the spirit of the so very popular, so bad it's good Sharknado franchise, what would your animal plus weather event disaster movie be? This week, I'm going to actually read your answers first, and we're going to go last for Ooh. a change, a little bit of a change. Uh, we got some really fun answers uh, on this one. A lot of you gave more than one answer, which we totally appreciate. Um Author author LL Soares says, uh, what is the Titmouse Tornado? Oh, I forgot I'm not on Jeopardy. Um, Titmouse Tornado. Titmice, of course, are the little adorable little little gray little cardinal-like birds. They're so cute, those guys. But you get a whole tornado of them, they will fuck you up. Oh, my God. Um, ask Tippy Hedren. Yeah, just ask Tippy. She's very she's very tippy. She, you, know, you know what? She's only adept at fighting um, crows and seagulls. That's yeah. it. She kn- she wouldn't know what to do with a tit. George Siegel, Jason Siegel, Steven yeah. Siegel. Yeah, all those all, all those seagulls. seagulls. Yeah. I always I always thought the end of the I always thought the end of the birds should have had a big boss fight. You know, I really want. Oh to see yeah. Tippy fight a no, pelican. Why? Like a cassowary. Yeah, a cassowary would have been even better than a pelican. It could they have flown have in though. Yeah. They're on an kicks. island. It would have been a little bit harder. It to drops swallow. like Iron Man. <laughs> So uh, LL Soros also says uh, he has a he has a second one here. Uh, oh no! So Titmouse Tornado he says brief synop- brief synopsis. The Titmouse population has had enough of humans laughing at their name. They get mad and we're fucked. He says it will be a double feature with the giant mole rat Armageddon. God damn! And he, and he posts a picture of a a, a little naked mole rat, which is. So Rufus. ugly, it's cute. In my opinion. 
I mentioned uh, then we have Greg Carcione, aka Synopsis Grim. He says, Molcano, Molten Blind Fury. <laughs> like that one. Molcano. Nobody, it's nobody. like Lava a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, Lava Lantula. Like yeah, that starring Steve Gutenberg and most of the cast of uh, Police Academy. <laughs> that exists. So. It's, it's stranger oh, it? than fiction because <laughs> it's real. Yeah. yeah that that would have been a great pick. Damn it, Coop. Get it together. Well, it's um, Nintendo says killer sloths that paralyze their victims by hypnosis and slowly rip their victims' flesh apart just because they love to torture. As far as weather goes, I'd say clear skies with a hint of death. <laughs> <laughs> clear skies sloth. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't name the movie, so I said, uh, "How about the sunny day sloth massacre party? The day everyone dies slow." <laughs> he says exactly. So nice. he, he approves that, that title. Um, uh, Carrie Sanders says, she, well, what a post. So she says, Jackalope Supercell. In eastern Nebraska, <laughs> a group of teens take the new kid in town out to go jackalope hunting. Unbeknownst to them, jackalopes are indeed real, and they come across a jackalope warren. As they are beset upon by ra by raging jackalope due to one of the popular girls grabbing a jackalope kit to take a selfie with, a supercell starts forming. The teens flee in their truck, half of them hanging out in the bed as the jackalopes give chase. The truck breaks down, but a group of storm chasers come to the rescue. They are prepared for the thunder and lightning, but uh, for the rain, the hail, the winds, but no one is prepared for the horde of angry horned thumpers that start winnowing away. <laughs> Damn, Carrie! <laughs> like all these yeah, sixty-dollar words, Carrie, you, you trip me up. The horn thumpers that start winnowing away the hodgepodge group. New kid and the shy daughter of Captain Storm Chaser A end up in in a storm cellar when CSCA gives his last covered in wounds from antlers and big pointy teeth to save them. End scene: rescuers getting them from the cellar. Blankets wrapped around them. Hug as the sun rises. Fo focus in on discarded cell phone from popular girl who had been recording before being mauled to death by a half colony of jackalopes where we see only one last jackalope impaling it from the phone's POV. Nice. Wow. That's a Watership, Watership Down meets Twister. Goddamn. Yeah. Goddamn. Yeah. Twister. Twister's a good one. Um, Thank you, Carrie. That was fucking amazing. Uh, as always, that's that was a hell of an answer. Uh, should have made you go last. Nobody's going to top that. PJ Ray Hall says, I have a whole slew of them in, in my book. A whole slew. And he posted three. Uh, one's called Pandademic. Sounds pretty good. Uh, oh, he does have a whole chapter on this, actually, in his book. <laughs> uh, Shunami, which is hilarious, although not an animal. I suppose shoes are made of animals sometimes, so I guess we'll accept it. And then squirrel pool. I'm not, I guess that's a whirlpool. It's a squirrel. Oh, squirrel pool. I, you really got to say it like you're from the Midwest. It's a squirrel yeah. pool. Squirrel pool. Um, and finally, we have Sarah Blankenston Cooper, Mrs. Coopster Gold. That's you. Uh, that's you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Sarah. Uh, electric eel tsunami. When the water finally starts to subside, you think the worst is over. Then zap! It's when the eels come out to claim their victims. Electric eel tsunami. Oh, all right. Amazing. Good stuff. Well Love done, All right. Love. 
Yes. Well done, everybody. Thank you so much for participating in this week's Octoponder. This that was a really fun. That was some fun answers. Um, I really just wish you guys could see the the picture that uh, Lauren posted of the naked mole rat. They are just the weirdest, ugliest things in the entire world. They really just they are. sure are. Um, Their teeth look so painful. They just are just unbelievable. They're so much smaller than you think too. Like every time you see a picture of a naked mole rat, it's so like filling the screen. It's such a zoomed in and you know like macro type like photograph is like it's so it's so much smaller in real life than you realize they're teeny tiny they're like mice size very very small like i always thought they were like large like the size of a prairie dog or something they're not anyway so now it's our turn to answer the question um so i'll go first um my answer is the kawadi clism (laughs) (laughs) and this is of course uh with the calamity uh, of cuteness (laughs) yes the adorable the adorable uh indonesian kawati also known as the kodamundi but but there's uh there's a lot of them in there they're living underground and they cause this giant earthquake and it just sends the world up into upheaval and uh it's okay because they're so cute you just can't be mad at them that's basically my idea um coop I, I got one. It's uh, killer hail whales. Where, killer hail uh, whales. So the the hail is well, actually hail. killer whales or orcas that are falling from the sky, and you know they'll fall on you. <laughs> oh, they but, are the hail. They are. Oh, that's the a hail. big problem. Yeah, that's that's hey, that's that's the tagline. That's a big problem. That's a big problem. And they're falling on cars. They're falling on all kinds of things. Yeah. And you're just seeing all of this whale damage. And you're like, what are we going to do? We're going to need a big damage. umbrella. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. 8-Bit, what you got? Uh, so mine is called Fissure Cat. It's a giant <laughs> fucking desert, like prehistoric cat that just destroys the earth by creating massive earthquakes. But I, I literally thought of the pun Fisher cat in like one second and was like, why was this ready to go? Why was this in my fucking <laughs> Always brain? Wanted to like, say I've that. never thought about this until this prompt, but here it is. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, you guys Fisher, don't have, Fisher do you cat. have Fisher cats where you are? Because that's, yes. uh, that's an interesting yeah. thing to yeah, see. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Sometimes when yeah. you look out, you're like, what is that? They're <laughs> right, rare. Right. They're, they're not super common in mass, but they, they, they do. They make some crazy fucking sounds. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they sound like ladies screaming. <clears throat> screaming for help. Yeah. Fisher cat. Fisher cats. Ed Kurtz. What do you got, sir? I'd like to see uh, like a giant octopus that's been struck by lightning and absorbs like an electrical power and becomes the shocktopus. Oh, nice. love it. Nice. I feel like you're you're playing a little bit uh, to the crowd with, with that answer, and I That's love it! That's a smart man. That's a smart man. <laughs> it's been said already, but you're maybe the, perhaps the perfect guest. Perhaps the perfect guest. Um, excellent answers. Thank you guys for playing along with this week's Octoponder. This for those who still want to participate, it's your turn to tell us what you think about this week's question. You can and uh, you can reach us in our popular Facebook group or email us at redoctopus at gmail.com. And please, if you like what we're doing, do leave us a review, do or a rating on our host site. Just search Pinecast Retro Redoctopus. Thank you all for your awesome ponderings. And without further ado. Let's get back to the show. We have uh, one more half. It is the second of the two halves. 
to talk uh, talk a little bit about uh, four more movies. We got one pick each. We're going to go a little bit more in depth this time, and uh, I think I think let's go in the reverse order from the first time. So I believe if I've done if I've carried the two correctly, that would mean that Mr. Eight Bit Alchemy is going to go first here. Oh sure, yeah, let's do this. So uh, the the movie that I chose for my main pick was primarily the one where I'm like, I think I just like this movie, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's bad. Um, and that movie is 1982's The Pirate Movie. Yes. Uh, oh yeah. Christopher really Atkins and yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Christy McNichol. Um, yep. So this was the uh, the movie that the the opening tagline was from when I was ready to set sail for the summers. Uh, yes. I knew what you meant from that. No. <laughs> I was excited. I knew, I knew you did. I was like, I'm like, Oh, you, you know, the pirate movie. Like you like this shit. You're right here with me. Uh, so yeah, directed by Ken Anakin, starring Christopher Atkins and Christy McNichol, uh, loosely based on Gilbert and Sullivan's 1879 comic opera, The Pirates of Penzance. Yep. Uh, the original music score for the film uh, was composed by Mike Brady and Peter Sullivan, who has no relation to Arthur Sullivan from the original Pirates of Penzance. Um, surprisingly, with a budget of $5.9 million and a box office taken of $9 million, this movie wasn't actually a failure like financially it did make money um but that being said it was commercially panned across the board uh and it was really just drug through the mud and honestly that reputation has persisted because on rotten tomatoes the film has an approval rating of nine percent based on 11 reviews what that's an average rating of 2.2 out of 10 and on metacritic it has a weighted average score of 19 out of 100 with an overwhelming dislike vibe. And I'm like, what the fuck? Have any, <laughs> like, have you actually just like sat and watched this movie? It's fun as hell. It's like a great time. What is the problem? So I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. This movie, for some reason, people don't like it at all. Uh, so, okay, fine. I guess I just like shitty, shitty movie. <laughs> I, I, uh, movie too, so. I don't know what else to say. I own, well, you're on I the right podcast. On DVD. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, man, I would love to have this on DVD. Um, but yeah, I mean, audiences who have watched the movie over time, it has become a cult movie, like so many movies do. Uh, but I would say that, um, you know, it, it kind of, it it probably took a little bit to warm up for some people, especially like some of the actors and stuff like Christy McNichol. Being a part of this movie, she thought it would be a really big opportunity, and it ended up not being uh, good for her career. <laughs> not that. Which, Right, like it, this is island. not. Oh, sorry. Right, right. Bad. Why did you about choice. pirates tonight? I don't know. <laughs> it's so it's so odd, really. Uh, so yeah, so I mean, the you know the the plot of the movie is like it really is so odd, but it's it's pretty sim- simple. Like, there's just a nerdy girl named Mabel. She comes across this group of of you know pirate reenactors. They had I think filmed a movie recently, and right. they were doing a sword fighting demo. And she gets called on stage. She immediately starts to you know have you know oh she's kind of crushing on the the sword fighting instructor played by Christopher Atkins. And he's like, hey, you know, you seem pretty cool. You should come out with me and my friends on this boat. We're gonna go over <laughs> she's wherever. Like, I loved you in Blue Lagoon. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. I loved you in Blue Lagoon. And I love uh, the and ass so- knife. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> butt knife. <laughs> the butt. Oh, sorry. It's the butt. Or they had a TM on that. <laughs> <laughs> so you know they're like, all right, come out with us, come hang out. All the other girls that are around Christopher Atkins are like, no, 
fuck this girl. She sucks. So they're like, we're going to just, we're going to shove off without her. What are they, the internet? Well, it's so (laughs) unnecessary because like, you know, Christy McNichol's character is just like, you know, nice and quiet and shy. And these other girls are just not in any way like they don't care at all. Um, So, yeah, they shove off. Christy McNichol has to find her, has to find like a random other boat to take out to follow them. And then in so doing, she inadvertently just ends up like falling overboard and washing ashore on this island. She gets knocked unconscious. And the entire movie is her subconscious dream of everything that happens. Like nothing of the import of the movie is real. It's all just in her head. And uh, it's kind of cool because, you know, it makes the movie really wacky and zany all throughout it. And you could easily forget, you know, that like, yeah, this is just the dream. But, you know, if you're going to complain about any of this stuff being overly dumb or goofy or whatever, you're like, I don't know. Who gives a shit? It's just a dream. Like, whatever. It's not <laughs> a real she's, pirate She's movie. working through a lot of different types she's of things, too. Of shit. Right? Like, you know, subconsciously, she's also really sick of giving blowjobs. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. I mean, the so, like, this movie is a musical. It has a ton of songs, and mm-hmm. the songs are great, honestly. Like, they are. the soundtrack was super good. It was actually um, a big deal when the movie came out. The soundtrack rights were acquired by Polydor Records for $800,000 so that wow. they could be the people to independently wow. release the soundtrack on CD and vinyl and hold Holy fuck, do I need the vinyl of the pirate movie soundtrack? I have to find this somewhere in my travels. Uh, But yeah, the songs are are great. And um, and what I did learn is that the actual um, musical numbers that were sung were written by a different group of people than the score. Uh, The songs were written by Terry Britton, Kit Hayne, Sue Schifrin, and Brian Robertson. Um, and a particular h- highlight scene is the one that you're talking about, Steve, um, which is being subconsciously real sick. I give him blowjobs. Uh, so Mabel and uh, Mabel, who's Christy McNichol and Frederick, who's Christopher Atkins in, in her dream world, um, they have to dive to retrieve uh, her father's lost treasure. So that way she can like convince him to let Frederick marry her. Uh, and in so doing, they, they have this musical number that's called Pumping and Blowing. And uh, it's it's just about putting air in a diving helmet. Just talking about divers. <laughs> Shut your mouth. But uh, Pumping and Blowing has Christy McNichol in the boat, pumping air into, into uh, Atkins' helmet. And while he's underwater looking for this treasure, there are just like actual cartoon sea creatures. Like the movie just goes like, you know what? We have no continuity. We have no. We have no dignity. We have no grace. We don't care. We're just gonna yeah. do this weird shit, and like out of nowhere, the only only sequence this has like two D cartoon animated. Yeah, it sort of feels like like the same sort of thing like with with Star Crash. It's like it's not really very good cartoon stuff, but right. they did it. They're like, let's right. just do it. Yeah. Can we just do it anyway? And let's I, just do our best. Let's just do it. And what's so interesting because I thought the same thing. So. They apparently thought they were doing better than that, even oh, because yeah. the sea creatures were animated by Maggie Geddes, who did the Yellow Submarine comic cartoon oh, for okay. the Beatles. So, like, okay. they were like thinking that they were like, "Oh my god, this is going to be such like a great random one I've seen," and it is. It really it is. is. It is great. It's and, my and the scene. and the, the song is excellent. Yeah. Um, there really is just like so many great songs on it. The first song on the soundtrack, "Victory," is how the song the the movie opens, and it's just honestly like a great like 80s rock 
It's a great pirate, pirate song. Anthem. It's such yeah. a piratey it's song. It's such a good pirate anthem. Yeah. And uh, I, I really have listened to the soundtrack so many times over the years. Um, the Pirate King character is the, the you know, the kind of you know, one of the antagonists of the movie. It's played by Ted Hamilton, not an actor I'm super familiar with, but I guess was pretty big in Australia. He's an Australian actor. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so, you know, quickly, there was. Um, uh, the Fox production studio did not allow this movie to be pre-screened. Um, the executive VP Irv Ivers said, you can look at movies and you can tell if they're going to be killed by critics. If you were in my place, would you show them this movie? Like wow. literally felt so Damn. strongly against it that he prevented any pre-screening because he knew it would just fuck the whole thing over. Um, which I guess from a business standpoint was probably a good idea because it did make money. Maybe it was by accident, but it made money. Uh, $4 million ain't nothing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was brutally criticized tons of headlines with like pirate puns, just panning it all over the goddamn place. Uh, and the movie was nominated for a huge amount of Razzie awards. You guys familiar with the Razzies, oh, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. for like bad films and shit. So it was nominated for Worst Actor, Christopher Atkins, Worst Actress, Christy McNichol. Preposterous. Worst, worst I know Christy McNichol is That's fantastic in this movie. Yeah. Right. So fucking good in this. Worst supporting actor, Ted Hamilton. Worst original song, Pumping in a Blowin'. Worst you. original song, Happy Ending. Pumping in a Blowin' music- is a bop. It's a fucking bop. <laughs> I love worst it. Worst musical score, worst screenplay, worst director, and worst picture. And then it was also nominated for worst picture under the Stinker's Bad Movie Award category, not related to the Razzie. And to circle back around, beyond all those nominations, it did in fact win the Razzie for worst original song pumping and blowing worst musical score and worst director. And for fuck's sake, if you are going to say one thing about this movie, I really don't think the thing you can take away from it is that it has the worst musical score. The music is pretty fucking good. Like of the things in this movie that I could see people bitching about the music. Isn't the thing like, the music is done so well, and it's all kind of like a pastiche of some different 80s-style music. You know, you have the sappy love song. You have the the adventurous rock song. You have, you know, all these, you know, corny, you know, tongue-in-cheek song. Like, you, there's just different Yeah, it functions. A lot of the songs it. function really, really well as parody. Yeah, and it's like if you're yeah if you you're like a hundred percent not getting any of this, you're just not getting any of this. Yeah, you're well, just Pir- you're just Pirate discounting everything. Of, it's one of the original songs from the Gilbert and Sutherland Pirates of Penzance. I yeah, they see have why they're comparing it because you've got the Kevin Klein and Angela Lansbury version with Linda Ronstadt. You know, which I mean, I must have watched that about a, a thousand times myself. But this is a great movie. I I love this yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and, yeah, that's the other thing is that it does borrow songs from the original while making a right. lot of original songs too. Yeah, and major it, major generals. In yeah, it. The mo- yep, and the and very the, you know modern major general, modern major general. Yeah, yes, anyone who right. watches Star Trek: The Next Generation knows all about Gilbert and Sub- Sub- Sullivan. <laughs> Gilbert Sutherland. and Sutherland. Yes, and Donald. Deep, deep, Donald. Deep. You've got twenty-four hours to make a musical. Oh. <laughs> oh, the other one. That's uh, what I went. I didn't go Dark City for that one, but oh, okay. Good gotcha. Job. Um, Good job. But yeah. Uh, so, so 
one of the things that is worth clearing up about the Razzies is that there are a few documentaries on YouTube that credit Christy McNichol as winning the worst supporting actress for this movie. And that is false. She was nominated, but she did actually win the Razzie for worst supporting actress for a totally different movie that she did in 1988. So there is like, it's like half true. It's like, yes, she did win that award, Razzie. But not because of the pirate, the movie, pirate movie. But, you know, the nomination, I'm sure, hurt her uh, hurt her yeah. momentum as well. Yeah, it really sucks because she really was my favorite part of this movie. Oh, she was I, so yeah. good. So I had never seen this movie. You had been talking about it for, I mean, you've talked about this movie to me for like 15 yeah, years. Yeah, probably never seen 15 it. years, yeah. And, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I watched it for this episode, finally. Got around to watching it, and uh, I was expecting it to be awful. I really wasn't like looking forward to it, to be perfectly honest. I just thought it looked terrible. Uh, and I'm not like a huge musical guy. And I, I like watched it by myself and like loved it. So That's because it's a good movie. It, it was it was really good. It was really yeah. fun. I mean, you have to be open to something like goofy yeah. and weird and stuff, whatever. But I mean, it, it is very, very zany. It's very Mel Brooks at parts. I mean, there's a part yeah. where like he it turns is. a sword into a lightsaber. And I mean, there, there's there's a lot of weird, wacky stuff. But to say that the music sucks is just absolutely bullshit. And uh, I mean, I'll, I'm going to say it right now. OK, like Pumping and Blowing is the second best song about oral sex ever. And that <laughs> the I only praise. song that I would say better is, is probably Ram It Down by Judas Priest. Yeah, Ram It Down's a, a real solid number yeah. one. Yeah. Next to that, this is pumping the <laughs> This is the one. But yeah, anyway, pirate movie. That nice. that's that's the long and the short of it. Have you uh, have you seen this one, Ed? I haven't, no, but now I want to. Hmm. Oh yeah. man. I really hope you get to see it. Yeah, I it's, did um I did free watch on YouTube. It. Yep, it's right? free on YouTube. Yep. Oh good. Yeah. Yeah. Makes it very easy. No, apparently nobody is bothering to track down the licenses and uh, keep a, a firm iron grip on that. I do yeah. not believe it's on Blu-ray. It definitely was printed on DVD. I I got one when I worked at Blockbuster. I was like, "What? Why are you here?" Yoink. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah. Yoink, yeah. indeed. They they used to have this big catalog where you could order like uh, DVDs from. So I got that and a Razor's Edge because you could never find that one either. So oh, nice. I haven't seen that one. Oh, with Bill Murray, yeah, Brian Doyle Murray's in it too. So you know, it's a classic. Nice. Um, uh, Terry Gar might be in that one too, actually. But we'll Ooh, talk t- about her two early. Terry mentions and why? I know, episode. right? We yeah. love the Gar. We love the Gar at Retro. Gar, har, har. Um, great, great pick, and thank you for giving me a reason to finally get off my ass and see this. Hey, movie. nice. Very cool. Uh, Coopster Gold. All right, I, I got one. Uh, mine's mine's a classic. Again, it's it's a movie that I love. Unironically, I just I love the crap out of this movie. And yeah. you know, it, it's like Abit was saying in in terms of like I can't find anything wrong with it, and I'm sure there's people that it doesn't tickle the way it does me. But I'm talking about the 1983 classic that is Krull. Nice. So, uh, Krull is a science, science fantasy <laughs> swashbuckler film directed yes. by Peter Yates, written by Stanford Sherman. It follows uh, Prince Colwyn in a fellowship of companions who set out to rescue his bride, Princess Liza, from an, a fortress of an alien invader who have uh, arrived on their home planet. Uh, so it, it stars Ken Marshall, Lizette Anthony, Freddie Jones, uh, Fran- uh, Francesca Anise. Um, this is crazy and i mean there's certain people that you'll see in this you'll be like oh 
that guy that turned into a tiger, he he sang the Candyman song in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. You're like, <laughs> what? Like things you'll put together, and and you're like, this was Liam, Liam Neeson's first movie. Yeah, what? You know, and um, Robbie Coltrane, Hagrid was in right. this film, and I spent half the movie thinking, who's that guy? I recognize him. Then I looked it up. I'm like, no, come on. You know, <laughs> it's, I know. This movie it's the guy who is... was the CG Mr. Hyde and Van Helsing? What? <laughs> oh, wait. No, that would be uh, uh, Jason Fleming. So That's a different Hyde. Yeah. That was uh, League of... League of oh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Gentlemen. Okay. All right. Anyway. Oh, Coltrane was in Van keep, Helsing? Keep going. Nice. It's okay. just a well, voice roll. It was a bad joke. Go ahead. Oh, that's awesome. I like I like that movie too. Anyway, anyway, this movie is is clearly the progenitor for most RPG video games yeah, where there's seriously. a quest where you go and you have to save the princess, but first you have to get the magical item and you have right. to go through the 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 wise old sage man. It is so video game. Oh my god. It's and so it's it is everything in it, and it's so crazy. It's like there's like elements of like, wow, she looks like a Bene Gesserit sister from uh, from Dune and She's really the widow of the web, and there's widow a giant the spider. The like, giant spider is this makes so well done. Now oh, that is that is crazy. a Harryhausen esque like yeah. puppet. That's a stop motion animation uh, puppet that they did. It's this giant white spider, and we've all seen giant spiders in movies yeah. to death. But I nope. I swear to God. This one is one of the best. It it's is so good. Really good. It's it's like uh, almost completely transparent. You can see yeah. inside it, like like inside the abdomen and the cephalothorax yep. and such. And you're like, oh, I can see what's going on. It's really really fun. Um, the the acting. I mean, everyone's taking this movie seriously. Like nobody is is acting like like oh, this movie is a joke and I don't care. It's like no. Every single person is invested in this. You know, um, they they like just some crazy people doing this. There's a cyclops. You know, they have fire mares. So it's it's kind of like the closest <laughs> thing I can think to the dark crystal, like oh, with yes. like humans. Oh, it's the just, fire mares. Uh, in in the glaive, the absolute iconic glaive. Oh which is yes. Like a, was it like a six-sided uh, sort of uh, star that uh, it looks like an pop out of? It's an impossible weapon to wield. It can right. only it exist in, the, in the realm of fantasy because yeah. yep. in real life, you throw that thing. Even if that's coming back at you, you are losing that hand. Say goodbye oh, yeah. to that hand. Yeah, there's no catching the glitch. Make sure, make sure to use your least favorite hand every time you catch. It, when he throws it, like he doesn't throw it like you're throwing a frisbee or anything. He throws it like with his hand open and just kind of like. Yeah, wheels it away. It's it's pretty crazy. But yeah. guys, like the best part, the best part of the movie. What what's the ultimate power? Power of love, right? <laughs> so he wins. He wins in the end, and they they destroy. You know, spoiler alert. They destroy the alien because there's aliens mixed with fantasy. You know. So yeah. uh, what I'm trying to say is this is my Star Wars. But yeah. uh, <laughs> oh, oh wow, okay. But um, yeah. I mean, I think this might be Ed Kurtz's Star Wars yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah, Kroll is so good. Like. And, and it has like those cheesy elements of like when the 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 e the evil alien and um like you see him and you're like oh that's clearly a guy in a suit you're like oh but he's mm -hmm. awesome and he's got those yeah. blood red eyes and the yeah. set design super creepy the set design the score of the mu the movie the lighting everything on it is just so freaking good you know like the traps the swamp like uh when they get like those uh, spikes going into their neck I'm like this is great. You know, and I swear it, I thought the guy with the axe was Ian Anderson from Jethro Tull, but it's not him. So <laughs> I checked. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. it's it's really cool. I would highly recommend it. You can find this movie wherever cool things are found, I'm sure. So I it's found a, it um it's a great movie. It's it's yeah. very it's very cheesy, but it is it is just so incredibly fun. Oh yeah. Um an ambitious and, shit, man. Like yeah. really. Uh, this like somebody picking this property up and being like, hey, we're gonna make a comic. It's like, oh, Dynamite Comics presents Crawl. Like, yeah, I'd buy it. There was a, right. a Crawl comic book. They made two issues, uh, Kroll one and two, issue one and two. So it did exist. I believe it was a Marvel comic. So, you know, 1983. Neat. Nice. Yeah, they, there's they an arcade so game. Of those. There's an arcade um, game of Kroll? There, yeah, there was, there is. there was an arcade game. There was a yeah. pinball that was planned and it was uh, very eventually canceled. Oh, I played the arcade game. Yeah, the, the crawl arcade game to me feels like it could have been an Atari game. Uh, but yeah, it's like you're you know you're just like throwing the glaive and trying to um, you know progress from level to level. I've only seen it in the wild one time, and it was at Retro World Expo uh, in Connecticut. Well, that's like um, Rystar with throwing that that yo yo. <laughs> oh, oh um, Rygar. yeah, Rygar. Rygar, Rygar, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yep. The uh, it's so weird. They really they really tried to make crawl happen. They really, really did. Yeah, yeah. They, really, <laughs> they rolled out this multi-tier, you know, empire that nobody wanted. Um, it just didn't turn into anything that like what they hoped. Um, but it was it it remains a really fun movie. I uh I remember as a kid being really disturbed by the uh death of the Cyclops. That really, yeah. that really stuck with me. This was the movie where the Cyclops gets squooshed for like my entire life. Like I didn't even remember the name of the movie, but I never forgot that scene. H to so his the, fate. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and also the scene, I remember the scene that really creeped me out. The, uh, the seer guy that they go get and he has his eyes closed for the, uh, for all this time. Cause he's blind, but he can see the future or he can see, I don't know, some stuff, I don't know, some shit. And uh, he's going to help them find the, the castle that moves every day. And uh, which coincidentally is what Castlevania did in the Castlevania anime. I'm like, oh, they're just doing crawl. Oh, uh, yep, uh, right. Um, and uh, and there's a scene where the 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 seer guy he gets killed and replaced by a shapeshifter, and the shapeshifter you know because they have black eyes, so they can look like anybody, but their eyes are solid black. And there's this one scene where you know we we haven't seen the guy's eyes open, the seer guy. He's kept his eyes closed the entire time because he's he's blind supposedly. Anyway, so he's he's replaced off screen or we we see part of it but um the main cast doesn't know yet and he uh he's back with the main cast and then he finally opens his eyes but they're jet black and they're solid black like this really bothered me as a kid like i was really scared <laughs> it's pretty crazy yeah. of that what that moment really really creeped me out um i never forgot that but <clears throat> this the spider is absolutely awesome absolutely it's so metal awesome. like this is so metal like this is like you talk about like songs dio would write yeah. you know like this whole it's thing like is the, a everything album. in crawl yeah. every yeah. freaking scene oh, in yeah. crawl is he's a like album. this you know and now yeah now let's make it happen i swear mm -hmm. there's a rainbow in the dark somewhere yeah there, <laughs> it's lurking there's scenes of uh wildebeest and angels in there i think uh, yeah all, all of the place you know uh but yeah and this was uh this was actually ken marshall's only leading role ever this was uh, it was all a bit on this and he just didn't he didn't ever get another leading role. Um, I just want to mention before we move on the 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 alien that you mentioned, the beast is the the big monster at the end. 
And uh, the beast is incredible. It's it's one of those suits that unfortunately they didn't have enough faith in it to really like shoot it properly. So they're they're sort of like trying to hide it the entire time. Yeah. And I, I remember like reading a story about the uh, the guy that the special effects for the movie and he had made the, the beast suit. And he was saying that like the way that it's presented in the film is like hiding so much work that they put into it. And there was like uh, apparently it was the first ever uh, it's like a fully self-contained suit with like all the electronics, like in the actual suit. So he doesn't have like a, a trail of cords um, you know, coming out the back, like the guy could just, the actor could just walk around and was self-contained in this uh, fully, you know, encased in the suit, like a Godzilla suit or something like that. 83. Yeah. But there was like all these, all these parts that moved and pulsed. And there was like, like veins moving under the skin and, you know, oozing parts and all these things that they did. And you just cannot see any of it in the, in the movie. They, they really, really, really keep him in, uh, in the dark. And you, you kind of get to see him at the end, but even the final fight uh, with him is like, it, it doesn't really feel like the actors are in the same room. Like the beast is kind of just big, like, you know, in the distance. And it's just, it's very weird how they had no faith in this. And, and, and funnily enough, the, the best you get to see the beast is on the poster. Um, yeah. You get to see the, the whole face. It's basically the whole poster is his face. So it's like, okay, let me get this straight. You didn't have any faith to show him in the actual freaking movie, but you're going to photograph the mask and put it as the poster. Like it just literally makes no sense. So that's a, that's a bummer because I, I legitimately love as a, as a monster guy, I love the beast. Yeah. He's, he's literally awesome. Those eyes um, are crazy. Very, very cool. Yeah. Very, very cool design. And I, I wish we could see the the full suit in all its glory. I wish there was a director's cut where they had more. Yeah, right. I agree. That would have been great. hundred percent agree. Yeah, Crawl's a great one. And I know it, it it like Ice Pirates, it gets brought up in the group quite a bit. And uh and whenever it gets mentioned, people are always always happy to talk about it. And they're like, Oh, I love Crawl. So I'm really glad you picked it. And I was I was hoping somebody would pick it because I did rewatch it um I did last too, week. Yeah. So that was really <laughs> it's fun seeing it again. And you remember, I think too, like when you're you're watching a movie, like I always get get uh, waylaid by watching Pete's Dragon. I'm like, is this movie three hours long? You know, it's like, and, and just going through crawl, I'm like, wow, this is a lot longer than I remembered. So yeah, but it moves at a good clip, and there are like a lot. It's almost too many ideas for one one story, but it's uh, it's again, it's flawed, but it's like so fun, and it sort of just doesn't matter. It's um, funny because everybody dies pretty much, and then you're like, oh, there's only three of us left in the end, yeah, four, yeah. you know, yeah, pretty much. It's like uh, the tiger guy, the kid, him, and the girl. The the um the new Lord Marshal. <laughs> with the oh yeah, oh yeah, 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 right, right, right. That guy, the guy was in. Uh, oh, I don't know that actor's name, but he's he's like a character actor that's been in a million things, and he was in that yeah. recently in that movie Possum, which was so fucking creepy. Um, I don't know if anybody's oh, seen that. I very, seen that very, very, I love that movie. Yeah, it's very. That'll creepy. be on uh, next list. <laughs> art house uh, horror film, very, very, very creepy movie. Anyway, um, great pick. Thank you, Coop. Good job. Mr. Ed Kurtz, uh, what is your main pick of the evening, sir? Uh, mine was also Curl, and he, he said everything. Okay, so we'll move on. Uh, Masterful, sir. Masterful. <laughs> Check in, um, mate. <laughs> I talked to you a little bit before this, because I didn't know if you wanted like more. because Most of the stuff that I talk about and watch is like really small budget stuff. 
But um, I almost went with The Happening. <laughs> the oh, which okay. I, plant movie. Plant I, I absolutely, humanity. I absolutely despise um, M. Night Shyamalan's movies. Yeah. Um, I, I think they're He's all that. They're so bad, yeah. I think yeah. every movie of his I've seen has been worse than the one before it. But I agree. Um, the Happening is one of the funniest movies ever made. And I own it on DVD. I've seen it a dozen times. And wow. I am in tears every time. Wow. But um, <laughs> I, So I want to watch The Happening with you. <laughs> it's it's really funny movie. It's, but, it's the only movie with a subdued Zoe Dashnell in it. But I didn't go with that one, so we're not going to talk about that. The one I did go with is... Um, a little bit different for me because I don't actually think it is a bad movie, but everybody else on Earth does. So just like Eight Bit, um, and that's Batman and Robin, nineteen ninety seven. Oh, nice. Okay, I'll um, see. I think Batman and Robin is probably the best superhero movie made in my lifetime, um, and I will defend it. I will defend the hell out of it. Um, I. And, and the reason people don't like it goes back to what we were talking about earlier with the uh, managing your expectations. Hmm. Right. And the only right. reason... What that flavor of Godzilla is this? Right. <laughs> and Warner Brothers, I think, made a mistake when they decided to change uh, direction with that franchise so drastically. They decided they wanted to have their cake and eat it too and keep it connected somehow. Yeah to the Tim Burton movies, which is confusing. Right. Um, I think they just should have started over, which is what they do nowadays every couple of years anyway. But, um, right. you know, I was, uh, I think, about to turn 12 when uh, Tim Burton's Batman came out. So that movie was made for me. And boy, did I go nuts for that fucking movie. I mean, nuts. <laughs> Uh, like every other kid in America. Yeah, right? I was eight. Totally. Yep. Um, and I don't think it holds up very well at all. Um, I, I think it's 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 really kind of cheesy. Um, the costume is awful. A lot of a lot of Joker in that Batman movie. A lot of Nicholson. Yeah, Nicholson's chewing up the scenery. Nic the Nicholson just—it's just a basically a string of Nicholson vignettes that have nothing to do with each other. It's just a lot not to like about the movie. Um, I like it, but it's I like, do like wow. it, but I—it I, just hasn't held up. Um, I, I think Returns doesn't hold up. If you ask me, I—I I don't yeah. think it does either. I think it has yeah. fun ideas on it, but it just doesn't yeah. really work. And but they were huge movies, and they set that tone for the whole dark and mm -hmm. gritty Batman thing, which we still have today, and which I hate. I hate it. You like um, fun Batman? I like fun Batman. Brave um, and the I, Bold. I watched Batman. two of the Nolan movies and gave up. I hated Dark Knight so fucking much. I, I took. I used to smoke. I took like seven smoke breaks during that movie. <laughs> uh, I was so yeah, bored. Yeah, you're not missing much with Rice's. <laughs> You know, Ed, uh, I'm with you on that one. I've never liked The Dark Knight. I don't like it, and I never saw the the next one I, or any one since because I see the trailer and I go, oh, "It's it's this again." Yeah, it's more of this shit. But it becomes a parody of itself. That when I was I, I was uh, laughing during The Dark Knight and pissing people off in the theater because I'm like, "Is he really going to do that voice of the whole movie?" And we're supposed to not <laughs> right. laugh at that, right? Right. This is, is this a, this is a comedy, right? 
it's so stupid. It's embarrassingly stupid. Yeah. It doesn't work. Batman and Robin builds on what Schumacher started doing with Batman forever. Um, but what he didn't want to go full goose on it. Um, cause I think he still had to kind of keep it somewhat connected to the Tim Burton stuff. But with Batman and Robin, he didn't give a shit. He didn't give a shit about Frank Miller comics. He didn't give a shit about Tim Burton movies. He probably watched a lot of Adam West. Yeah. Because that's more yeah. what the movie is. It's that flavor. To. Yeah. That, it's and that totally was a movie that, that Warner Brothers yeah. was considering making in the 80s when they were floating the idea of Bill Murray as Batman. Oh, my God. So weird. So um, we, I think that would have been a disaster. But it, it with George Clooney, it couldn't be better. He's perfect. <laughs> he's charming. He's charismatic. He's a good-looking guy. He's a great Bruce Wayne. I think he, of the current generation, he's probably the best Bruce Wayne. He just does that, you know, kind of Playboy thing. But he's still Bruce Wayne when he puts the cowl on. Yeah, you know, he's Bruce Wayne <laughs> as Batman. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't become anybody else. He has no. He doesn't become this demon all of a sudden <laughs> for some reason. Um, the movie knows exactly what it is, and it's it's a throwback to four color comics, man, that are fun. You know, it's not pandering down to like children necessarily, although it, it is doing that. It is selling toys. They have to sell stuff with these crappy movies, but um, but it's it's just it's just a explosively fun, colorful cartoon of a movie that taken on its own merits. And not as a sequel to the Tim Burton movies, which it isn't, uh, but just on its own. Mm -hmm. It's great. I think I've never heard anybody disagree with me that Batman the movie from 1966 is great. Everybody loves Batman. Everybody loves, yeah. yeah. It's a yeah. really, it's, I still think it's, I mean, I'm a guy who loves blue comedy. And when people are like, you know, family friendly humor, I'm like, boo. But, um, you know, it's, it's like G rated humor through that whole movie. And it's one of the funniest movies I've ever seen in my life. Uh, the line, some days you just can't get rid of a bomb, yeah. <laughs> is so great. Um, and this, Batman and Robin doesn't go to that level but um, of ridiculousness, but almost. Yeah. And uh, and everybody's just having a ball with it. And, it. and if you just relax your sphincter and go, it's not the dark night, it's not the dark night, I'm mad. If you just, just let loose a little bit, I yeah. think you'll find that it's it's a great superhero movie. It's a great comic book movie that remembers what right. comic books used to be. <laughs> I, I love that you brought this up because I'm actually reading a book by uh, Travis Langley called um, Batman and Psychology, you know, and um, they go into talking about this and how Schumacher built on an entire bed of psychological um, analyzation of Bruce Wayne in forever. And then they continue to build on that and expand his world and all kind of like the ideas of what's going on with that in Batman and Robin, which mm. is a completely new way to look at it after mm. reading that. Cause you could think, Oh, it's campy. It's stupid. It's, Oh, they have too many villains. They have this. That's fine. But what are the characters motivations? What's poison Ivy? Why does she fit in this? How does she inter? personal relationships with Batman versus Robin, you know, um, there's like all those sort of little things. It's like baseball, right? Where you've got like a hundred little games going on in one mm -hmm. game and, yeah. and Batman and Robin is exactly like that. So I, I'm so glad you chose that. 
Mm-hmm. So for my money, I'm going to go Val Kilmer, though, as Bruce Wayne, because I thought he put way too much into that role that that character even deserved. So I'm just <laughs> going to be like, I'm going to be like, man, he you want to talk about someone bringing it to 11. That movie didn't even need what he brought. And he, he brought the gravitas. So, you know, but man, that's but for, such a but good for that swaggery Bruce Wayne. I mean, I you know what you're saying about Clooney yeah. is like totally true. And he's yeah, a great um, comic actor and a great serious actor. Yeah. And he's able to, to yeah, he does both really to well. do a comic performance yeah. that takes itself seriously. He does the same thing in the, yeah. the uh, Oh Brother Where Art Thou. <laughs> yeah, the the character is taking himself completely <laughs> seriously. Yeah, but that, George Clooney, the actor, knows that it's a funny character. And he again, I think he's kind of doing that in Batman yeah. and Robin. Because he knows, you know, this is this is silly. Everything we're doing is silly. Yeah, I, I think, mean, he's but we're embracing the silliness because right? he said he said like he took that role not understanding why they offered it to him. He's like, I'm too old. You can't possibly want me to be Batman. I'm clearly not the right person for this. And they're like, No, no, we want you. And he's like, uh, Well, okay, <laughs> let's go for it. I mean, I, you know, he, he just, I think was, uh, I think his whole, the whole, the whole time he's like, fuck it. Like, I think that's his, his general thing. And like, he, he went with the, the, the bat credit card and like, uh, committed to everything. I think well, that, he does, um, he, and, he, and he completely does commit to it. And I mean, it's much more ridiculous to me to watch like the Christopher Nolan movies where we're all supposed to act like a grown man decided he's going to put on a bat, bat costume with ears to fight crime. And we're going to go, this is a serious gritty crime drama. Are you fucking yanking my dick with that? Are you serious? Um, is this real? Batman and Robin goes, it's a silly premise. Right. You can't get serious. We're going to celebrate the comic bookness yeah and uh yeah batman batman is that character is that comic book character that has just been divided so completely that it's almost hard to remember he used to wear blue and gray yeah you know it's almost impossible to not picture him in black and have a giant dinosaur in his bat cave this is my godzilla guys so you're talking about godzilla and you're saying all of it's good i'm yep. like all batman is good I'm like i'll tell you good, i'll tell you good things about joss wheaton's justice league and snyder cut and good things about the flash where um you know george clooney shows up again so recently so yeah did you I, know that did you know that ed that i actually did watch the flash because uh i was hoping it would be a fun bad movie experience but I didn't really have very much fun. No, I didn't have much fun with it either. But, <laughs> no. but what did I, you I think like about what did anything. you think about Clooney showing up at the end there? That was uh, it was kind of fun. But I mean, we're so, I'm so used to cool. fan service shit in these kinds of movies. Anyway, well, that was nothing... especially. I mean, that yeah, it's kind of like that when was fan kill... service the movie basically. It's like when they kill off uh, main characters in comic books forty years ago. That was a holy shit. Yeah. Now you're like whatever. Right, it's the it is the floor for dramatic, you know, impact. Yeah. It's like, okay, so now it's just a question of how many characters die. You know, it's like, oh, okay. Why don't you do something we, original, like, uh, you know, cut off their not, butt? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Take I've away never, their butt. Never knife. see that. See, see, I set them up. You knock them down. <laughs> Spider Man can't swing right anymore because his butt no, is so aerodynamic, yeah. and now he doesn't know wear how a to false move his body feet. anymore. A false butt cheek. I just want to see a, a anatomically correct Spider Man. Like, there's so many Spider Man at this Spider Man and Spider Boys and Spider People. Let's yeah. just, let's just, yeah, let's have him shoot it from the where the spinnerets really are. 
Oh, like, okay. <laughs> right yeah. in the... Yeah, that's what I'd like. But um, great, great pick, man. You know, I love, I love hearing... Uh, you know that that is a very different take on a movie that has been shit on like endlessly by so many people and yeah. it's great to hear that you know it's it it it's one of your favorites and you actually put it top of the heap for comic book movies and you're looking for something so completely different that everybody else is looking for and they just uh, released a wave of action awesome. figures for that with a build a figure oh, really? of Mr. Freeze. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, Batgirl, I, I can't, Robin, I can't defend them. Mr. Freeze in this movie one bit. Oh, though. I, I am a unrepentant, uh, biased Arnold, fan, just super fan. No, I, I love Arnold I, I and love... I even like puns. Like, I like puns. Yeah. Cool party. Let's yeah. kick some ice, you know. But, uh, <laughs> the Ice Age. Yeah, so chill, everybody. Yeah, he's Mr. White Christmas. He's Mr. Snow. Sing! <laughs> oh God! Yeah, he's he's I he is so so many bridges too far for me. But I I will say that Uma Thurman's um, Poison Ivy was not bad at all. In fact, she oh. had a she clearly played it like Mae West, and that was her her whole thing. She's like, I'm going to be like Mae West meets Marilyn Monroe, and I'm going to play it like a <clears throat> like a classic uh, uh, Silver Age starlet. And um, uh, I think it works. I think her hair styles are ever changing. Hairstyles are unnecessary. Um, but I thought she was pretty good in the movie. I I like that take on on Ivy. I think Ivy's great. I I wish we could see like Ivy come back and uh, have it be in a Batman movie that is willing to have comic book levels of fun. Because that really is the problem. You're right, Ed. Like, yeah. you know, they take themselves so seriously. And I actually, I really like the the Robert Pattinson movie, the Batman movie. I did. Um, I loved, I loved uh, the Penguin in that. So yeah, I did. Much. I did like that a lot. Um, that movie but too. like once again, we have another freaking Batman world, just like Nolan's verse. It's so grounded that you know the idea of super powered villains is is just like incongruent, and and that's that's a shame because he is some of the most fun villains of all comic books. I think everybody, you know, tends to say like, well, the, the two characters with the best villains are Batman and Spider-Man. Yeah. And <clears throat> I mean, I want to see poison Ivy be able to like control plants and like, you know, shoot them out everywhere and have giant, you know, Venus fly traps. And there's never and, been you know, Clayface in a movie. I'd well, love to see. Especially if they God. do uh, some of, some of the new stuff that they're doing with him. He's absolutely frightening character. I mean, you know what? Straight up, just get Ron Perlman back. Let's Ron Perlman is, is Clayface. It's going to be mostly a voice job anyway. <laughs> oh my God. I love it. I, I love it. I don't watch Marvel movies anymore because you have to make it your full time job to follow what's going on in that stuff. A lot of a lot of people are dropping off because of that. Uh, that and that, I just I just don't really enjoy them, honestly. It's not my kind of thing. But I did like the guard the first two Guardian of the Galaxy movies. The third one is uh pretty dark. I'll tell I you love that much. The third one. I love yeah, the third it's, one a lot. It's well, I like the first two because again, they were fun. Yeah. Right. You know, they were light, they were fun. Yeah, the third um, one does get dark, but it's Oh, you so you it's haven't seen the third ending. one? No, I haven't yeah. seen that one. I liked it. I liked the ending. I like But I, I, if I'm gonna go into a comic book movie, uh, just me personally, I, I expect it to be fun. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're talking about superheroes, this is this is not serious stuff. 
Um, and I'm not saying you can't address serious subjects in a superhero narrative. You can, but um, yeah, I, I, I to you me, it's, like it's just it's very ridiculous to watch a, a, a long, drawn out movie that's full of adults and, and silly costumes fighting fantasy battles, and we have to take this. That's be grounded in reality, and we have to take this seriously. Yeah, yeah, uh, fair enough. That's fair laughable enough. to me. Yeah, and I, yeah, I would well, say that, like you know, if you are gonna have a comic book, you know, or a comic book movie or anything, make a really important or dramatic impact. It's it again. It's juxtaposition that makes that work. It's because you're not expecting it from this. You know, it, it's it's something that's traditionally fun or lighthearted, and then if it gets serious, like you said, once upon a time, a character dying was like crazy. So like that was where that impact really came from and now it's so hard to have similar impacts because we're so like in you know deep into lots of serious kind of comic book movies like that um and you're not really able to have that dramatic contrast because it's like it's all kind of that tone a lot of Mm -hmm. it is but yeah i think guardians 3 worked really well um i think there, i think there are plenty of movies that are able to do that um and still be fun but yeah, I, I totally hear what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Steve, yeah. I don't know if you've watched it, but uh, the Harley Quinn series on Max, you might <clears> enjoy <throat> that with the Poison Ivy interactions with uh, Harley Quinn and all that. Yeah, cool. Lake I uh, I have I've not watched that show, but I know people enjoy it. Um, so great pick, Ed. Thank you for all that. That was a hell of a hell of a pick, hell of a presentation. I mean, that is like what we hope for just in general you know your personal take is is contrary and it's it's so well thought out like that was a really really fantastic uh presentation thank you so much for that um very interesting stuff batman and robin has never been defended so well i, I yeah I, yeah I'm I didn't calling it right coming. now really I didn't see that coming. it was not on my bingo card <laughs> <laughs> so i'm uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna take us home with the final pick of the evening my pick is movie called Fortress from 1992 directed by Stuart Gordon starring Christophe Lambert as John Brennick John Brennick <laughs> and uh, and then there's this uh, great I'm cast so in right this now. movie yeah. great cast in this movie Lauren Lachlan who who didn't go on to do a lot of stuff she's uh, she's uh, Karen Karen Brennick and uh, Kurtwood Smith nice you know, Clarence this is, the, yeah, yeah. From RoboCop. I mean, like, you know, and, and, you know, people know him as Red Foreman from that 70s show. Kurtwood Smith is fucking phenomenal yeah. in general, but man, is he good in this movie? What you said, Coop, about like Val Kilmer bringing it, you know, t- taking it to 11 when he did not need to, like it, the movie did not deserve his like level of commitment and like what he brought. That is Kurtwood Smith's performance in uh as uh as uh mr poe in this movie and uh because it's Stuart gordon of course we have jeffrey combs our buddy jeffrey combs is uh is always there. um as well and jeffrey combs plays a really really different character for him he he's he's like almost unrecognizable and he's really doing a character he plays a character called d-day and uh, he's got like thick glasses and long hair and he's really really doing a character it's fun as hell i love i love jeffrey combs in this movie um, I mean, I always love Jeffrey Combs, but I, I really like him in this movie. Um, but yeah, it's, it is, uh, is a futuristic, uh, 
one part total recall one part uh robocop one part like brave new world uh sort of a futuristic is set in the distant future of uh 2017 <laughs> um the very dark darkest timeline uh basically um the you don't you don't get any setup at all there isn't even like a a title card that where they you know give you just a little tiny taste of the world or anything like that they just drop you into it and uh basically what you need to know is that it's the future it's dystopian uh the 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 government is sort of given way to this big evil corporation and just i guess they get to do everything i don't know it's not really explained but the the mentel corporation is the evil, evil corporation that's just doing everything. But, it, but essentially what you need to know is that abortion is legal and the, the world is too populated. So you're allowed every couple, every woman is allowed one pregnancy in their lifetime, regardless of the outcome. So if you get pregnant for a second time, you go into prison, but it's mm -hmm. not wow. just prison. You go into the fortress and the fortress is this like, you know, super sci-fi version of Alcatraz underground. It's like this, you know, this ridiculous, you know, you cannot break out of it. It's, it's like thousand levels deep or whatever under the ground. And like, you know, the middle of Nevada or something like that. They, they show there's just desert everywhere above it or wherever it is. I don't know. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's just basically Christopher Lambert and his wife, and they're trying to get through a, a checkpoint to go to Canada to escape. And uh, they get caught and they get thrown in the fortress. And it's just a, basically a, a prison escape movie. Um, uh, I'll read you some taglines or some great taglines for this. Nice. Uh, we have, I'll read them all as Christopher Lambert. Of course we have welcome <laughs> to the future where punishment is the ultimate crime. And we have, a prison of the future, a high-tech hell built to hold anything except an innocent man. In the year 2017, one corporation is building a fortress for the ultimate takeover, your mind. Um, yeah, they really bury the fact that this is about like not being able to have kids. Yeah, it, that's, it, this that's reminds the me of the, the song Dream Police. Every time I hear Dream Police, <laughs> I think of Fortress. Okay, and the reason so that's yes. one of the one of the darkest things in this movie <laughs> is is what you're referring to. Yeah, there, there's this uh there's this thing where they will they they can monitor your thoughts in the prison. So, you know, when when uh when when Brennick Christopher Lambert, when he first gets there, uh, he's thrown into a cell with like way too many people. I think there's already like five people in the cell. So they're way overpopulated. And, uh, and one of the guys tells him he's, he's, they're going to sleep and they don't even have enough bunks. Like the, like Brennick's got to sleep on the floor. And one of the old timers goes, don't dream. He's about to go to sleep. And he's like, don't dream. And that's all he says. He doesn't explain himself. And then in the middle of the night, he's, uh, you know, having a sex dream about his wife. And, um, well, Kurtwood Smith, as uh, Mr. Poe, who's like the warden, basically, um, he's able to actually monitor on. He has all these TVs. He's like got a wall of TVs in his office, which I feel like is sort of unnecessary. You could just have like, like, do you need the wall of TVs, Kurtwood, though? Like, it's like Mr. Like, Burns. <laughs> like, 
there's no benefit for having a wall of TVs. It's not even like they made one big picture. Like they made versions of the same picture. It's for our benefit. Anyway. Um, so, you know, he's, uh, he's watching the sex dreams and, uh, and what will happen is uh, when you detect that somebody's doing this, they punish them because they have these things called intestinators, which when you get there, oh. they implant in your, they forcibly implant in your mouth and uh, it goes into your gut and it stays in your intestines. And if you don't obey the rules, they explode and you die. So uh, they can also activate them and just cause pain. Um, so literally you'll like be sleeping and having a dream that's out of your control and it'll be an un unauthorized thought process. So the dream police yep. will come in. They're like, crushing your hope yeah you know like the dream like that. police um yeah it's fucked up it's it's pretty dark actually there's like some seriously dark stuff in this movie so like i'm not going to go through the whole thing or anything but like basically i love Stuart gordon uh the director you know i mean he's most famous i think probably for the reanimator series and of course Jeffrey Combs was was uh was you know herbert west in the reanimator series uh yes he did do castle uh freak he did um Deathbed. He did robot jocks. He did my my favorite actually of his is not this one. It's uh it's from Beyond also with yeah. Jeffrey Combs and Barbara Crampton, uh, who is also in the first reanimator. Um I I think he makes really fun movies. Also, the movie Dolls is really great. Um uh I don't know. I, I really like Stuart Gordon a lot. He makes a lot of really fun B movies, and there's always a ton of innovation and and like clever ways he's gotten around budget constraints and you know he always has interesting characters uh jeffrey combs is almost always there and i love him um it's 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 he's just he's just a fun director to go through you know his his catalog i mean i i i don't know i almost always have fun with his movies uh some of his later 2000s stuff i didn't really see um, some of his later stuff, but this was 92 and I sort of feel like it's, uh, probably the last movie of his that I, I like loved. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I get it. Like it's not an A plus movie at all. It is a poor man's total recall, um, at best and, uh, and uh, all that, but like, I love this movie and I've always loved this movie. I watched it again for this episode. I'm like, nope. I every time I see this movie, I still freaking love it. I it's sort of like what you guys are saying. Like, I almost don't want to admit that it's a bad movie. I like it just so much. Yeah. Um, but you know, it is what it is. But there's there's some you know some some really fun stuff that they did despite the small budget. So talking about the budget, uh, so Stuart Gordon uh, said uh, that supposedly. Stuart Gordon's passed away now at this point, but uh, he had said in an interview that supposedly the whole movie was supposed to be uh, Ed and Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Um, now this was two years after total recall, total recalls 90. This was 92. So I'm sure they were making it, you know, around the same time or just after it or whatever. Um, and it was, it was going to be an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. It was a hundred percent envisioned as that. And um, supposedly Arnold was interested and then he was even attached to it and he pulled out for unknown reasons. Uh, and the budget when he pulled out went from $70 million down to like 15. They were like, Oh, well, you know, do, do your best kid. Um, 
and so he ended up going with a uh, very different main character, very different lead actor. Boy, uh, you wouldn't and, think a guy who had a uh, accidental kid with his maid would be very good at pulling out. Oh, you hear all night, folks. Oh. Hear all night. Well, well I mean, it's just not timely. Please try it. the fish. Um, <laughs> but so he, uh, so yeah, it's it's just so interesting. How, it's like how different this movie would be if it was a if it was a, an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, and, and and I think it really would be just extra derivative. You would be like, okay, but this is so much less than, you know, Total Recall and his it other, did have you know, some better similarities movies. though. It like definitely saying, did. It uh, definitely the did. The Running Man too, like another, the, yep, another one. yeah, hundred percent, hundred. Yep, it has that same sort of feel. But like, what I like is that it's it's like. Christopher Lambert. So, so for those of you who don't know, like, so Christopher Lambert, you know, obviously we know him most from Highlander. He was one of those guys. He was never a big, big star here in America. He was more of a direct to video guy here. He was a huge star in Europe. Like he was a mega star in Europe and Canada fucking loved him because he, you know, he was a, he was actually born in New York, but his family moved all around the world and he grew up in like, france and uh and i think like denmark or somewhere Belgium, around, like think, yeah yeah so he's he's a you know native french speaker and um and so i guess i i i heard like quebec loves him like quebec loves him so canada i don't know has like this love for for christopher lambert and christophe lambert is what they call him there and like he's so different he's just such a weird different guy and uh, I think he just always brings something to every performance that I always enjoy him. I think he's very watchable. I know he's not the best, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think he's, I think he's just brings something. And I always, always enjoyed him. Um, great in Hail he, Caesar. If you've seen that one. I haven't, I haven't, but he, he really, he like, when you are thinking about like at this point in time in 90, early nineties or whatever, you're like, okay, we can't get, can't get Arnold, you know, whoever, who we get. And if you're, if you're considering Christopher Lambert, you, you know that it's going to do well overseas. And this movie did. So it was made for, you know, $15 million. It didn't make that much here. I think it made like 12 here or something like that, but it made over like $40 million in Europe. So Damn. overall, it was actually a Lambert big, effect. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it was actually a pretty big success. Um, and I mean, it's weird to think, but you know, it's, it's true, but it had a very small theatrical run here. Um, but anyway, it is what it is. Um, uh, much of the film was shot on location in an actual Australian prison that was a working prison at the time. Wow. And so they, they saved money where they could. And they, I think spent, I, I feel like where all the money especially the effects budget was really used was to make the prison look real and futuristic and huge and straight up. It looks pretty good. Like there are some like shoddy compositing shots. You can see, you know, this clearly using a blue screen or green screen, but like it has a lot of really convincing shots too. And sometimes it's just a matter of like, the characters look up to see the level above them. And you can see like this, you know, mega shaft that goes on forever. It looks like, um, and, uh, or they look down or that, you know, the big elevator that's in the wall and it all just looks good. Like it's a pretty solid looking movie. Um, 
And uh, there's also a fun added element where the guards of the prison are these like fully armored, like cybernetic robot looking guys. And there's one shot where they get one of the helmets off and you find out that they are uh, humans that were turned into cyborgs and they, the, the, the guy has no bottom jaw. It's really rough to look at. It almost looks like a, like a Borg almost, but they remove the bottom jaw. There's no need for that. Let's throw that out. Um, creepy, uh, disturbing, a lot of, lot of, uh, really good Aldous Huxley like ideas, um, in this movie. And, uh, back to just, just I'll end on Kirkwood Smith's character, uh, is completely fascinating and what you have is you know he starts out and he's like oh you're like okay yeah the warden yeah there's always the always the warden prison break movies okay yeah he's just going to be this by the book sort of asshole you know power trippy sort of guy and he is that he is all those things but they add this extra layer to him where he is also a prisoner so you find out find out that um well i mean he's not not on the books. Not he's not truly like literally convicted of some crime and forced to do this job. But what you find out is when somebody is imprisoned and they are pregnant and they give birth, the Mentel Corporation now owns the baby. It is oh, just yeah. they can do whatever they want with that baby. It's not a person, it is their just commerce, their product. And uh, what they do with those babies is turn them into weird cyborgs. So clearly some of them probably end up as the, the guards and some of them end up as people like Mr. Poe, who is uh, presenting human presenting, but uh, he's enhanced as he says. And uh, yeah, he is, he is their, their product too. And so he has this illusion of control, but he can't leave any more than anyone else. And he, there's a, there's a moment where he admits that he's never even left his quarters in his entire <laughs> life. And so Damn. it's sort of, it's, it's, it's really dark on a lot of levels and yeah. um, they never try to redeem him. They never try to turn him into like a quote, good guy or anything like that. He's, he's an antagonistic force for the entire movie, but you do feel bad for him. He is a sympathetic character on certain levels. And, uh, Kurtwood Smith is acting his balls off in this movie. He's so good in this movie. It's yeah. ridiculous. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, that's my pick fortress. If you haven't seen it, I, I really recommend it. It's a really, it's a very nineties sci-fi action movie, but, um, you know, at, at the heart of things, it's a, it's a prison break movie. And they, uh, like one of the criticisms that this movie kept getting from a lot of the critics at the time was that while the movie, it's, they said that the movie was more concerned with building the world and building the prison system than telling the actual story. And I think that that's yeah. probably fair, but God damn, did they do a good job with the world building? Oh yeah. I never would have really thought that did. was 15 million budget. Never. Like I, I, that, that shocks me. Like, especially, you know, um, in, and you know, they made a sequel. They did. They made a sequel. It was, uh, in 1999, it was released in 2000. It's called fortress Two re-entry. And the only returning actor is Christopher Lambert himself as John Brennick. And uh, the new prison is in space. So yep. good luck escaping that. It's terrible. And I feel like that movie that they made with, um, what was this? I want to say Guy Ritchie, but that wasn't him. Um, the, the guy from the time machine. Um, oh, oh yes. 
Guy Pierce, yeah. So the, they did a movie that was like Escape from something. Yeah, and I think yeah, Breakout that was like was Breakout. It? Yeah, and I'm like, like this is Fortress oh. Two, only way better. Yeah. It's yes, yes, a hundred. I thought the exact same thing. It's it's like, yeah, just watch that and pretend it's Fortress. Yeah, 2. exactly. It's just same like, concept because moving the pr- the prison into space, I think, is a great idea, and they do it as a reveal. So he's like, he doesn't realize, and then he looks out the window. He's like, oh my god, there's stars. I can't get out. What do I do? But anyway, yeah, no, it's a cool concept, but terrible movie. But that, uh, yeah, the, the Guy Pierce movie is fucking great. I love that movie. Yeah. Right. So that's it. I Anybody do. have anything to say uh, more about, about Fortress before we end things for the evening? I just added it to my Tubi list. Yeah, nice. I love Fortress. Fortress is great. Awesome. Solid um, choices, guys. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic choices all around tonight. I think, guys, I think we've done it. Um, we just took you on quite the tour of uh, bad movies that we love, despite their flaws. So bad they're good, or maybe just good. It's all subjective. Who cares what everybody else says? Like what you like, watch what, watch what you want to watch, and have fun, because, uh, hey, we're all going to die in black holes anyway, so fuck it. Um, facts. Facts, yeah. Um, before, though, before we get out of here, uh, we do have, we have one more thing for you tonight. It is almost time to catch that horizon, but before we say goodbye, let's go to this. I think you've got some serious issues. Do you find yourself staring at stacks of funny books, wondering how it all came to this? I've got issues! There's something wrong with us! Something very, very wrong with us! In that case, slide one of those bad boys out and let's get started! It's time for another I've Got Issues. Guys, I got issues. I got issues. I got comic book issues is what I really got. And that's uh, what I wanted to talk about in my B segment. Um, One specific issue I want to talk about is actually pirate related. So it's kind of funny. But it's uh, X-Men Classic uh, Volume 1, issue number 57, which is the story of Kitty's Fairy Tale. And um, this is a story that was uh, originally written by... um, Chris Claremont, but the uh, cover that they did for this was done by Mike Mignola. So, you know, Hellboy creator and all that. Oh, yeah. The uh, artwork was done by uh, John Byrne, and it is a delightful romp through uh, fantasy land that involves Kitty Pride telling Ileana Rasputin, which is uh, the uh, younger sister of Colossus, P- Piotr uh, Rasputin, a fairy tale. Uh, just kind of involving all the characters of of the X-Men. The fiend with no name is Wolverine, and the prince is Cyclops, and the genie is uh, Gene, and, well, actually, that's Storm, and the princess and stuff, and it involves the Dark Phoenix and the professor and all that, and Lockheed the dragon, who is a mm-hmm. giant dragon. It's it's pretty fun. I, I, I remember getting this. It came out in 1991. It was one of the first comics that I started collecting. So I still have it. My raggedy ass cover and all that. It's, you know, one of my treasured possessions because I've had it since I was very young. And I, I, I appreciate the heck out of it. But in terms of I got issues, I got this issue. And uh, there's a backup story in it, too. That was uh, just a segment that Chris Claremont was doing, adding on to his original run from from these really cool, interesting stuff that kind of adds more color into his world of the X-Men. And I mean, for anyone who's not an X-Men fan of that run, it's basically a 17-year run where the same 
where the same writer had the characters all the way through. So you get mm-hmm. so much, and he was such a purple prose writer. So it's just really cool. So that's that's what I would suggest. Go out and check out X Men Classic number fifty seven. Awesome. Great job, man. That was your first ever B segment. Well done. Woohoo! B segment. Now let's yeah. talk about Fortress. Oh, now it's good. <laughs> <laughs> we just did that. No, we, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just rewind the episode. It's oh, okay. man. I just, I just have more in me. Damn. <laughs> All right, uh, guys, before I get us out of here, Ed, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. This Super journey. Fun. Awesome, man. Great so, choices. Uh, yeah, just fantastic picks. I, I mean, I have to watch Champagne and Bullets tonight. Oh, yeah. That's just what it is. It's great. Is that on Tubi? <laughs> yeah, I don't think it is. Sadly. Oh, I think it oh, might have really? been at one time. But you can check You can check um, the other titles because that sometimes. Oh, right. Yeah, you happens. said that was that was the one that had a bunch of titles. Okay. All right. But, well, I'm um, going to definitely. I, I have the Vinegar Syndrome blu-ray which is one of my treasured possessions so. nice yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a great it's a great watch is I that an it. annual watch for you at least nice <laughs> excellent yeah vinegar syndrome puts out some really really good stuff for really really z-grade movies they treat them like they are gold they are they roll out the red carpet they you know it's like you're saying Coop about back to Val Kilmer be, like trying too hard for for Batman forever like man it's like man you did not need to go this hard but i appreciate yeah, exactly. it <laughs> it's good stuff uh ed before uh, we get out of here do you want to tell people where they can find you online or find your stuff or anything else you want to say about your writing before we head home um well i don't have a website or anything like that but uh my my, my books are out there they're available um amazon and barnes and noble and powell's and places yeah. like that so you can certainly put some links uh to amazon in the show notes for people to check out your new collection in the cold cold ground if you read one story make sure it's ed's if you read two make sure it's uh also morgan sylvia is the i second. put it in my uh, amazon cart while we were recording so excellent yeah See that you made a you made a wholesale already, Ed. See that? There you go. It was worth it. Thanks so much for coming on, guys. This has been a really fun episode for me. I hope everybody had a great time listening out there. You retroids, hope you had a good time. That officially wraps up the episode. So if you haven't jumped ship by now, we certainly hope you've enjoyed this week's journey over the treacherous waters of all the things that made growing up awesome. If you like what you've heard, please hit that little subscribe button and like us on Facebook and uh I don't know, X, I guess is what it's called. Uh, As well as being part of the Inebriard Podcast Network, Retro Reductibus is a full-fledged member of the Dorkening Podcast Network. So if you get a chance, please check out our sister shows like Epic Tales from the Sewers with Justin Cooper, Throwdown Thursday with Patsy and Ashes, Let's Not with Michelle and Sam, Splash Pages, Comic Paradox, Talking Game and Tech, Hooked on Movies. Oh my God, there's so many freaking shows in the Dorkening. Guys, there's got to be one or two or 15 or so that you you will enjoy uh for more information or to subscribe to us or any of these great shows please visit the dorkening.com and be sure to check out our killer sponsors deadly grounds coffee that's of course coffee to die for i've been your host parasite steve aka steve ann sampson and it is indeed a sad thing that your adventures of and have it i always fuck up my own thing at the end <laughs>
For more shows like the one you just heard, check out the Dorkening Podcast Network at thedorkening.com. I watched a video today with soothing music talking about how uh, life on this planet and the and the scope of the projected life of the universe is such an infinitesimal sliver of time. It's not even worth thinking about. <laughs> yeah, we yep. that the even vast majority of our universe's yeah. future is just going to be black holes with mm-hmm. no life. And I, I took a nap. I fell asleep. I was so lulled to calmness <laughs> by this notion of a cold, dark, lifeless universe. And nothing like, that uh, I do or fuck up will actually matter that much. Yeah, I mean, it so, really takes the so, pressure yeah. off. Hey, Steve, That's... thanks for inviting Thanos. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would have snapped twice. Yeah, exactly. Oh, crap. That's good.